I'm Caroline Hyde at Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, Sam Bankman-Fried says he's willing to testify before the U.S. House Financial Services Committee about the collapse of his crypto empire. We'll tell you what to expect from next week's hearing. Plus, Huawei strikes a deal to license tech to a handset rival, a bitter pill to swallow for the Chinese tech giant that's blocked from selling its tech in the U.S. We speak to two of their key executives. And we continue our coverage of China's risk to dropping its COVID-0 stance, plus changes to Tesla's Shanghai factory amid slowing consumer demand. We have you covered. First, though, foremost, it is a markets day for us. Of course, we are once again seeing the wind taken out of the sales of equities. We're seeing up down three quarters of a percent. So exhausting that this camera is getting all overexcited by what's wow. happening in these markets. Come closer. No, back off. We're having a look at the Nasdaq off by seven tenths of a percent. Look, these basically these benchmarks are off by at least three and a half, four percent on the week overall, Ed. And this in large part is because we're worrying about where the Federal Reserve is going. We're concerned, for example, about how far they have to hike when we're seeing a PPI, a producer price index that shows that prices are just showing such resilience inflation showing such resilience in the face of what have been rapid rate hikes by the Fed. Ten-year yields have been climbing almost 10 basis points. Let's have a look at what's happening overall in terms of our recession risks as we are anticipating the worry about a recession. We are seeing the entire market just getting nervous. If we can flip up the board, we've really got this chart that has evidence of where we've been going in terms of the Pick up now 60% chance, basically, the market sees there will be in a recession, so a contraction in this economy in the U.S. come next year, Ed. Yeah, I want to zero in on what you're saying as well. I mean, it's a funny end to the week where investors take money off the table when it comes to major tech and software names. There were a few standouts. We've been talking about Broadcom. It is bucking the trend, you know, reporting a strong forecast for the fiscal first quarter, demand from data centers for its chips, that stock benefiting. Tesla rebounding after four straight days of declines. We're going to get into it later in the show, but it looks like they're going to wind down activity at the Shanghai plant temporarily to make upgrades to the line and investors getting more detail now about what's going on in China. Etsy continues to be an underperformer on the S&P 500, worst performing tech stock on that index. And then Coinbase hitting a record low. Look, there's some kind of ongoing or lingering worries about what Coinbase said earlier in the week, that revenue for full year 22 down 50 percent from that crypto winter or sell off in crypto. And actually, if you look at major crypto tokens, or digital tokens over the last week or so, it's been choppy trading. There's no sort of reason or rhyme that's driving investor psychology in this space. But that's sort of warning from Coinbase that the full year picture is now not so good, not is actually murky, if anything, has, you know, continued to see declines in some of those major digital assets, Caroline. And we just got to keep talking about this contagion effect, keep talking about what happens next week, what clarity we get, if any, because we know that the former FTX CEO, Ed Sam Bankman-Fried, says he is actually willing to testify. How did he tell us? Of course, he told us through Twitter. He announced it in a series of tweets, in fact, saying he will answer questions about the fall of his crypto empire from the U.S. House Financial Services Committee. 
Let's bring in Alison Versperl from Washington, who has been all across this story. And of course, so too has our own Shanali Basak, who, of course, will be heading out to Washington to that hearing next week. And Alison, just what did you make of the transparency we're getting through the former Twitter? How are we seeing the actual senators trying to speak to Sam McMurphy himself? You know, we're seeing everyone is using Twitter. Uh, we see Maxine Waters uh, from the House Financial Services Committee is increasingly used that to put pressure on Sam to testify. Uh, we've also seen Senator Toomey uh, came out with his own tweet today that said, Sam, if you do show up at the House Committee's hearing, you better show up at our hearing the next day. <laughs> um, so, you know, everyone's using social media. <laughs> It's kind of painful. I mean, I think, uh, was it CZ put in best himself is like, it's like, no, I can't watch movies. They're not exciting enough. I'm just addicted to crypto Twitter. And aren't we all? And Shanali Basak is key among them. Just talk to us about not only what you're going to be following through Twitter, but what are you going to be following Shanali on the ground? Because you're going to be there. You're going to be expecting testimony from who? And are they the right kind of people to be giving testimony? Uh, that's an interesting question because there are a lot of academics that are being called upon the House and the Senate hearings. Remember, there's only one uh, set of small witnesses posted on the Senate committee site. Uh, we don't have everything from the House itself at all yet. And remember, Sam McFried said he's willing to testify. Will he show up and testify? There was no subpoena up till this point as well. So a lot of questions about whether he'll be there in person. Remember, he does say that what he is trying to do is address not only FTX and the pathway to return value to shareholders, but also what led to the crash. We'll be looking at what he says versus what he has said before, as well as he says his own failings. He also said he doesn't have access to much of his own data, personal or professional. So you have to wonder why he doesn't have that access yeah. and what kind of data he will not be able to allegedly provide to the lawmakers as they question him if he makes it there to the Hill next week. So again, the House on Tuesday, the Senate on Wednesday. And uh, remember, the senators have also been seeking to try to get them there as well, but they did not reply to them in time for the testimony so far. So logistically, let's see if he makes it to both. Team Shanali has just gone to the exact point that I want to bring up. In fact, Super producers, let's bring his tweet back up again and look at what he said. Because what I'm not understanding, Alison, is what would we learn from SBF on Capitol Hill that we haven't already learned in the many, 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 many appearances and, and communications that he's made in the last seven to ten days? That's a great question. And I honestly, I, I feel like we're probably going to hear a lot of the, the same things. You know, uh, he'll say that he didn't intentionally mean to commit any sort of fraud. He'll probably talk about the fact that maybe he made some managerial mistakes. Um, so I, I'm sort of expecting it to be along the same lines. I'm actually maybe more interested in hearing the testimony of John J. Ray, who is the current CEO kind of helping with the restructuring of FTX. You know, he has access to all of this data. He's sifting through these records, though he's told us that they're not very good. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe we get some, some extra details from what we've seen in the bankruptcy filing so far. Actually, Shanali, new, new headlines actually continue to come through about this story. I saw a tweet or a thread of tweets from the editor at large 
of the block. Could you tell us what the story is there, please? Yeah, you are referring to the tweet thread by Frank Chaparro, otherwise known as Fintech Frank, who four days ago released an almost two-hour podcast speaking with SBF about what had happened here. But really what had happened is his, he said he did not know, and uh, he, uh, many employees at the block did not know, and felt really uh, put in the dark here. Because what happened was an executive, the CEO of the block, which is supposed to be an independent news site related to crypto that was bought out by management about a year or so ago, yeah, absolutely got it. Look at that tweet right there. So uh, what they are finding out now is that CEO had taken personal loans through uh, a entity here that did not disclose that SBF had given loans to the CEO that ended up being part of what uh, helped that executive lead to the buyout. So listen, the CEO has stepped down. You are seeing the employees reeling from this. They are saying they did not know at all. This was really found out within the past couple of days. And as I was saying, just two days ago, they had interviewed SBF himself. I know it can, I mean, it can seem like inside baseball when journalists are talking about other journalists, but mm. your heart does have to go out to people who feel completely undone, not only by their sector collapsing, the industry that they've grown to love collapsing, but then their own CEO seemingly catching them completely off guard and blindsiding them. I'm sure there's more to come from that. But overall, Alison, the transparency we're going to get from a regulatory perspective, from a lawmaker's perspective, and I asked it to Shanali earlier, I ask it to you now, the people that they're going to have in front of them giving evidence. I've seen some talk on Twitter again that people who feel very legitimate in the space haven't been asked, and some people who have been asked to speak perhaps aren't deemed so legitimate. Just talk to us about who we expect to hear from. So on the House side, the, the only person that's actually listed as a witness so far is John J. Ray, so the current CEO of FTX. Uh, on the Senate side, we have a pretty small list as well. Uh, one of them is a law professor who specializes in sort of financial regulation and new technologies. And then the other one is uh, Ben McKenzie. So if you mm -hmm. watch the OC... Uh, then you would recognize that name. He was Ryan on the OC. Uh, he's more recently come out as a very anti-crypto uh, skeptic and sort of crypto commentator. Uh, but a lot of people were a little surprised to see that name on the list. Team OC. Uh, I think we all better get some rest this weekend. Next week, but Crypto never week. sleeps, Ed. Crypto never sleeps. What? Thank goodness that I do sleep Friday night through Sunday night. All right, Bloomberg's Alison Versborough and Shanali Vasek, thank you both. Coming up, Huawei expands on the patent monetizing game. We'll discuss that and much more with top executives from the company next. This is Bloomberg. talk about another key story, particularly from a geopolitical perspective. Huawei Technologies has agreed to license some of its smartphone technologies, well, to an old rival called Oppo, one of China's top smartphone brands. Now, Huawei is one of the biggest holders of 5G patents, and many patents, in fact, and it's historically not been that aggressive in monetizing those patents. But the telecom giant now seeing itself 
perhaps in a need to look in revenues in other areas after its lucrative handset business was hit pretty hard by US trade sanctions that cut it off in terms of access to advanced chips. I'm very pleased to welcome, therefore, to the show, Huawei Chief Security Officer Andy Purdy, alongside Huawei's Chief Intellectual Property Counsel for the United States, Stephen Geisler. Thank you very much indeed, gentlemen, for both being here. And let's start first and foremost where we're thinking about the new areas of revenue. And Steve and I address this question to you, because how important now is the monetization of patents? How are you seeing this driving in terms of percentage-wise of revenue going forward? So our, the revenue we will, we will realize through patent licensing is not going to make up for or be in lieu of product sales. Uh, in any given year, we're talking about numbers that are in the hundreds of millions versus product sales, products and services combined being in tens of billions of US dollars. So certainly one is, is not going to be a replacement for the other. We are simply trying to make sure that uh, based upon the money we've spent through the years on R&D and then patenting, that we're getting a fair return on our, our patent expenditures uh, for patenting our technologies and also using the, the patents to reach agreements with our competitors and peers to make sure that the innovation that goes into global standards such as 4G and 5G telephony for Wi-Fi, for the audio video codecs that allow for streaming for, for your viewers to watch even uh, today's show, that that is recuperated by not only Huawei, but other large members of the uh, ICT industry uh, for what we spend on R&D. I want to bring Andy Purdy, Huawei's chief security officer, into the conversation. Andy, how much of a bitter pill to swallow is this Huawei? You know, you once had a significant handset business that was a driver of revenue growth, but also just a, a, accounted for a big chunk of revenue. Now you are pivoting, essentially. Again, is it a bitter pill to swallow? Well, we deal with reality. And the reality is that we have certain challenges. Our survival is first and foremost. Our ability to work with partners and customers to innovate and bring 5G-enabled technologies to the world is what we're about, to help bring connectivity to the world. And so that's the way we look at it. We've got tremendous opportunities out there. The regiment, the international regime that Steve was just talking about, the idea that there are certain standards and certain companies may own patents relative to those standards, this international system of making sure there's fairness, that competitors can buy licenses from other competitors is a huge thing on the international stage to help increase innovation and increase competition around the world. It's a, it's a great tribute to how well the global system works in the IP area. Andy, though, those words, it's about survival. Just how threatened has your business model become through US-China tensions? And how non-ending do you think that this shutdown will be, this access to the United States, this ability to sell into it? Well, when you look at our revenues from 2020 to 2021, uh, our revenues dropped about $30 billion, uh, mostly uh, because of our inability to, to buy chips uh, for our 5G phones. And so we are emphasizing 
tremendous investment uh, this past year uh, in R&D, over, over $20 billion in R&D, and thousands of partnerships to help bring 5G digital transformation to different industries such as smart mining and smart ports, and the ability to create safer environments and reduce energy consumption. And, and basically, we are finding our way in the world. And we're even doing hardcore scientific research on things like Moore's Law and Shannon's Limits so that the scientific challenges of 5G, 5.5G and 6G can be overcome for the benefit of the world. So we take the world as we see it and we're working hard and innovating. I think we at Huawei are really proud of how we're moving forward with, with partners around the world. Stephen, you're the US chief intellectual property council oppo is still a chinese maker of handsets could you talk us through how the deal came about and how difficult the deal was to get done certainly the the deal was done through bilateral negotiations without the need for litigation that's important because many times these deals are are only brought about through litigation uh, because we need the uh, intervention of courts to help decide things such as what is the proper rate and, and what products are, are should be subject to a license agreement. Here, that was not necessary. Uh, we also view that this is a, a key step forward. Uh, it's not our first Chinese cross-license by any means, nor is it Oppo's, but it is a, a major sign that the Chinese uh, regime for patent protection continues to mature. These are, are two large uh, competitors, uh, uh, bringing about a, a very uh, important agreement between the two of us. Andy, I asked you earlier if having to license your tech rather than selling handsets is a bitter pill to swallow, and you said it's the reality. Where we are now, what is the reality of Huawei being able to sell not just handsets in terms of smartphones, but other hardware into the United States directly. Where, how does that come about? Our emphasis for the foreseeable future uh, is in those parts of the world, and there are many, uh, that are open to working with us, uh, helping, open to partnering from us. And so there are tremendous opportunities around the world. And, and so that's what we're focusing on right now. And frankly, as those of us in the United States, we look at some of the things we're doing around the world to help bring connectivity to the underconnected. We hope that in the United States, there can be a little more action and a little less talk about connecting the rural America in a resilient way and frankly, helping to connect and have appropriate devices for distressed communities, poor communities or in urban areas of the country. Americans really need to get, get the benefit of connectivity. Overall, is that argument landing, Andy? Who are you speaking to here in the United States? Are people, do they still want in any way to grant access directly or indirectly for your technology? They feel the need for it. Because I was amazed to see just how many patents you put into the United States, for example, per year, like you're number one. Hmm. Well, as I said, our focus is not to do business in the United States. And as we talk about the lessons we are learning and 5G transformation around the world, it is not to enable us to do business. We think there are lessons that we're learning. We think there are lessons that the United States can learn from success stories in other parts of the world. Mm. I mentioned the smart mining and, and smart ports, but 
but healthcare, manufacturing efficiency, reducing uh, energy consumption in telecommunications. The United States needs to step up and be much more active in these things to help the competitiveness of the United States and help the American people. I'm interested, Stephen, and I'm wondering if you can take us in the money direction in your focus as Chief Intellectual Property Counsel. You are not only just announcing, of course, the deal with Oppo, but you made public for the first time that you're also doing licensing 5G to Samsung. How much, with some of these partners, particularly when it comes to Samsung, to Apple, to the huge players in this space, how much are you charging them in terms of patent use? And, and are you thinking about royalties in a different way? Are you going to have to change the maths and be more aggressive? Well, so, so first, we don't view ourselves as aggressive. We are certainly active in the licensing space, uh, where third parties have done independent studies of our licensing, our rates for our patents versus many of our competitors. We actually are much more in the middle of the pack. So we are not looking to set the highest rates in, in any industry or, or technology. Um, the, the importance of, of U.S. patents, for instance, which, which you've mentioned previously, is still important, regardless of whether we ever sell a product again in the United States. Our patents, our technologies, are being used by U.S. companies. Many of those companies have, have freely, without litigation, have joined into license agreements with Huawei to pay for the rights to use our patented technology in the United States. No one in the United States can use Wi-Fi particularly the new Wi-Fi 6, which is the, the AX version, uh, without using Huawei's technology. Same thing with 4G, 5G. We are licensing car manufacturers and their suppliers all around the world, from Japan to China to the UK to Germany to the United States, on their use of our 4G technology in connected cars. And so that is the important thing is uh, making sure people understand the difference between global use of standardized technology, which which Huawei is a leader in, mm. in providing that technology, mm. versus product sales. Okay, Huawei Chief Security Officer Andy Purdy and Chief Intellectual Property Counsel for the U.S. Stephen Geisler, thank you both. And concerns linger that some of the biggest Chinese tech firms will be delisted. In the U.S., as of Wednesday, about 81% of JD.com shares were circulating in Hong Kong's settlement system. This as investors moved to convert them from U.S. exchanges. That's a near doubling from the end of 2021, according to Bloomberg calculations. Similarly, Alibaba's Hong Kong-listed share portion rose 11 percentage points during the same period, a steady shift into Asia, which shows traders are continuing to hedge risks associated with the US-China spat. Now, coming up, everyone's doing it. Are you? Lensa AI. It's the latest AI application, you've got to take my word for it, that makes your selfies look even better. Caroline and I, well, I don't want to give it too much away. Just wait and see. All that next. This is Bloomberg.
So that's us. That's Caroline right there. That's supposedly me <laughs> using the Lenser AI app, an all-in-one image editing app for your selfies. I. Yours I mean, are really I good, Ed. Yours are really good. You look really hot. You look really I, smart. I don't even. It does this remotely look like me? Not in the slightest. I'm kind of a bit depressed that. I mean, what that? <laughs> what I've just morphed into sort of an artistic Italian gentleman. Whereas, <laughs> I've morphed into someone I really don't recognise, but they're kind of hot. <laughs> it was an interesting experience. Like a lot of my photos were rejected, um, but. We're back, the real you and I. Hello. Can we just... There's one photo <laughs> where I look so unwell and miserable and completely unlike myself that uh, I was kind of a bit a bit depressed by it, but probably, as I kept saying, it sort of felt like my insides after all the holiday parties. But I am interested, Ed, that some people out there, right, one particular noted economist, thinks this sort of AI, particularly the chat GPT, for example, is great strides in technology, right? I mean, is this the best thing since sliced bread? Is this a game changer, revolutionary? As far as I can tell, it's just strange pictures of you and I. But you've got to see our Twitter I enjoyed poll the experience. on it. Yeah, they've got to see our Twitter poll on it. Larry Summers says this will change us in terms of as it's going to be as important as the wheel and fire. Seemingly, actually, most think it is revolutionary. This is Bloomberg. It's not like there is an incredible amount of money that's ready to be deployed. I think the pace of investments in the venture ecosystem was masked a bit by capital that was coming from non-traditional ventures and corporate balance sheets. And so I think today what you're going to see is a shift, probably not in terms of opportunity sets, in terms of how fast money gets deployed to the ecosystem, but I think you're going to see people look for complete different dynamics within the balance sheets and the capital structures and the management teams that they're investing in. That was PitchBook's director of research, Nizar Tahuni, giving his take on the current dynamics at play in the world of VC. Let's get someone else's take. Dina Shakir is with us now, general partner at Lux Capital, a firm focusing on investments in emerging technologies, $4 billion in assets under management. Um, it's been a week. It's been a, a big week for markets, for the world, economics. Cara and I have been talking a lot about data. You know, there was various data sets. But the big takeaway is that whether you do it on a volume basis, deal count basis, dollar value basis, 2022 is nothing compared to 2021 in your world. Why? Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I was expecting my Lenza uh, avatar to show up <laughs> instead of myself, but delighted to be here. So no denying 2022 was a roller coaster, and I think we're still in for a long ride with 2023 ahead of us. Many would say the exuberance of 2021 needed a correction, and that came with a bit of a jarring surprise um, to some, but also met the expectations of others. It was in many ways a long time coming. Um, but I still think we're just at the precipice 
process of understanding what the impact will be on valuations um, across stages. And certainly uh, for us, it's, it's an area where we think there's a real exciting opportunity to continue being bullish on long-term opportunities. I am going to let Caroline have all the fun, and I'm going to ask you a slightly dull question about economics, if okay. you'd allow me to. Sure. No, it's never dull, Ed. Well, I, I know it's important. The funny thing is that if you're a well, I'm assuming if you're a venture capitalist, you assess a broad range of data just as a public market analyst would or investor. Inflation in the Fed, you know, inf every day for us, inflation in the Fed. Yep. What does it mean to you? at this yeah. stage in the cycle? Well, you know, we're, we're VCs, so we're long-term investors. We're not day traders. Obviously, there's no denying the impact of the macro on the micro, and we've seen that very clearly in terms of the opportunities for exits uh, for, for venture-backed companies. But when we're investing in deep technologies, companies that we believe are market makers, we have to look with a longer perspective. And so, you know, we, we 2023 does not look particularly promising, although none of us are Nostradamus, but we're looking ahead five to 10 years from now. And those opportunities are very exciting to be investing in in the early days. Dina, you've just made general partner. Congratulations. And you focus a lot in the health space in particular, very much focused on female-focused businesses too. What is that more recession-proof than other areas? Healthcare, many have turned to in the public market, saying, look, this is one to be investing for into at the moment with higher interest rates and with a slower growth prospect. What do you see in terms of the smaller, now growing industries? Absolutely. I mean, I've often said that health and digital health is recession proof. Now, that's not to say that it's immune to the macro conditions. That's definitely not the case in any look at the public markets, no matter how well they're faring, um, you know, respectively, it's, it's, it's very clear that they're not. That being said, People will continue to get sick. They will continue to have babies. We will continue to have needs for therapeutics and for intervention and care, perhaps more so uh, in the future even than we do today. And I think as a result, what we're seeing is really expanded interest and also a bit of, uh, of, uh, of uh, a slightly better opportunity than you're seeing, certainly not just on the public side. You know, PitchBook, I think just yesterday, published a report showing that the median deal valuations for venture-backed healthcare companies is actually up 33% year over year, which is a really interesting take vis-a-vis -vis where the rest of the market seemed to be sitting. You know, one of our companies was, was on your show just yeah. a few weeks ago for their Series E, and that was a really exciting one in women's health where, where there's a lot of continued interest. Yeah, shout out to Maven Clinic, and we were so pleased to be able to start the new show with Ed and I with Kate joining the show in that respect to bring us that Series E. But I'm going to ask a sensitive question now, Dina, and I know because you don't want to shy away from these sorts of things. Lux Capital, of course, has been embroiled in the FTX situation. You wrote checks, not you personally, of course, and you're not, therefore I'm not going to ask you about your own due diligence in the space. But what do you think internally the lessons you've learned are when you're looking at writing checks in a diff more difficult environment that we currently are how are you looking for companies to be building their corporate governance, to be ensuring that they're giving you all the accounts that you need and the growth story is really there? 
You know, I think this is something that's not necessarily just unique to that situation. There are other cases across healthcare in the recent months and years that have also really put a lens on the importance of due diligence. And so there's no doubt that that continues to be very important across the board. And I think perhaps some of the slowdown that we're anticipating in terms of the exuberance of 2021 vis-a-vis -vis what we're expecting in 2023 will give all investors more time um, and more space to be able to do that, which, you know, is certainly a positive thing. Just going to bring up a chart, which was the data I was talking about earlier, 2021 versus 2022, and we'll see a big drop. We're coming from a high bar of 2021, right, where factors were completely different. You can see the chart there on your screen. Give us the Lux Capital 2023 outlook, the big picture you know, granularity about how you see the world over the next 12 months and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think regardless of one individual news uh, news situation or, or or market dynamic, it's pretty clear that 2023 is uh, is not going to be as bright as 2021 was from a public market perspective. I think many of the companies that we've seen and that we've been speaking to have, uh, you know, extended their runway. We certainly have been telling many of our companies for quite some time now to do so, and they're in a position where they are able to weather the storm. In an ideal situation they are, you know, not necessarily needing to raise next year and can, you know, wait it out till 2024. But I do think there are many companies that will be in for, uh, you know, for an unfortunate uh, surprise in 2023 if the markets are heading where we think they're heading. You mentioned it at the beginning of the conversation, and Caroline and I are quite focused on this at the moment, exits. Yes. You know, you look at the NASDAQ 100 and where we're down 30% year to date, the options on the table, surprising um, some deals jumping out every now and again, big deals um, in terms of acquisitions. But where do you see, you know, IPO market and other exit mechanisms in the same time frame, 2023? Yeah, there's been a lot of activity on the on the M&A side and healthcare right. in particular with some really, really big deals, even in the midst of the economic situation that we're in. And we know in healthcare in particular, when these deals happen, there tend to be more of them with, uh, you know, with, with, with similar payers and players. So whether it's CVS or Amazon, non-traditional players that are trying to get into healthcare through M&A, I think in particular, there's been a, a focus on value-based care, which is a patient set, which is really difficult to acquire. So for companies, venture-backed or otherwise, that can do that well, I think there'll be continued appetite there across the board. Dina, come back in the new year. Tell us how that 2023 is starting to unfold for you. Dina Shoka, we love having her on. Thank you, general partner over at Lux Capital. Wishing you happy holidays. We don't get to chat before. Meanwhile, let's talk exits now because we were just going there with Ed. And as some are still happening in the global startup space, in fact, let's go global because Istanbul-based quick commerce platform, that's Getir, just bought its rival, Gorillas Technologies, in a deal that was valued at $1.2 according to sources. Yeah. Now, it marks the increasing consolidation in what we all thought at one point was an absolutely booming industry. You couldn't move for quick deliveries, but Gorillas raised funds valuing the company at about $3 billion before and had been exploring its options after investors just became so much more cautious over the industry's path to profitability. I mean, Ed... We were all talking about how quickly one could order their various yeah. groceries and they'd be coming within 20 minutes or so, but it just became ever more evident that these companies were not going to be able to head to profitability with this many players in the space. 
So there's a fantastic quote in the story from the founder of the company saying, markets go up and go down, <laughs> but consumers love our service. Convenience is here to stay. You know, whether that's true or not, we, we don't yet know. You know, the proof's in the pudding. Um, but, uh, you know, it's holiday season. I go to a lot of drinks with VCs and, you know, they do say it's a case-by-case -case basis. There are some fantastic startups that are born out of recession, that grow out of recession, yeah. and there's opportunity right now if you can pick them out. Yeah, and I think that this is what's going to be interesting. Where are the exits being made? Are you doing exits from acquisition, one private company to a private company? Or, Ed, are you still managing to get to the public market? If that dreaded word... Well, dreaded's not fair, but SPAC. Interesting. So let's get more from another guest, Sam Zaid, CEO of Get Around, which just went public on the New York Stock Exchange or listed its shares... Get Around is a company I know. You know I've written about Get Around. We've reported about broadly uh, this platform in which owners of vehicles can list their cars to be rented out. It's like Airbnb for cars, Sam. Why list via this mechanism? Sorry, can you repeat the question? I said, why list? Why go public? Oh, you know, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, for us, you know, we went public because, you know, we had great partners. Uh, we found committed capital, capital that really allows us to execute on our business plan. And it was really about just continuing to create long-term value um, and to get out into the public markets and be able to have access to that, you know, uh, the public markets directly. We felt was the right thing for, for us in this particular circumstance, in this particular category. What sort of, with the money coming in, what does that now create you in terms of space to build? Where are you able to now drive forward, get around, particularly at a time where more people might be incentivized to share their car, to get money in that way? Yeah, I mean, it is that type of time. I mean, I think a lot of consumers are looking for options to make extra money, uh, potentially, you know, uh, drive extra income or offset costs and we you know we just felt that you know the opportunity is right given what we see in the category and in the market and some of the trends with uh, you know our, uh, our partners and and in more generally with the shift to more consumers you know moving towards uh, mobility and continuing to shift that, those 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 patterns of mobility um, you know we felt the time was right hey Sam really quick you'll pipping your great rival Turo to the public markets. The reception, interesting. What do you make of that? Yeah, look, I think there's no denying the, the macro is it's just a challenging market environment, but we weren't really optimizing for that as much as optimizing for, you know, really giving fuel to the business in order to really execute on our plans. And so, you know, uh, the way we think about that is really we want to continue to execute create long-term value and over time we think that you know uh, the market will respond and, and start to you know value companies properly on fundamentals sam thanks for spending some time with us from the floor of the nice sam side ceo a get around yeah. meanwhile coming up we're gonna talk much more about all the ongoing fallout from the collapse of ftx lawmakers questioning officials over at silvergate capital it's a small bank that's facing some big pain after its decision to really take on crypto clients this is Bloomberg.
Well, a pretty obscure smaller bank and then it got into crypto silvergate capital is what i'm talking about it found its niche when it started providing banking services to some pretty major crypto clients including well sam bankman frieds ftx and alameda research now it's of course facing scrutiny from regulators and lawmakers on the back of that decision joining us now on a great set of reporting bloomberg's banking reporter max reyes and max just talk to us about how silvergate first of all got in to servicing these sorts of clients sure first of all thank you for having me and i think it might be helpful to back up for a second sort of explain sort of the the value proposition here for a bank for for banks that aren't dealing with crypto you know they're not helping to exchange um, tokens or anything like that they're literally just holding deposits for crypto customers and sending them helping them to send them back and forth right between themselves the, the value there is that you can bring these deposits onto your balance sheet and you do not have to pay out interest right so you essentially have a very affordable way to fund yourself and that's sort of what drew company a company like Silvergate into this, and other banks have done it as well. Customers Bank or Signature Bank, but obviously uh, a few of them have had banking relationships with FTX and Alameda that has folks uh, raising concerns. Short sellers are kind of dogpiling the stock, yeah. and you have lawmakers who are asking questions and. It's a result of these relationships. From your early reporting and digging around, just how exposed has Silvergate become? What sort of areas within the financial services they offered made it more difficult to extricate themselves now? Yeah, I think the biggest level of exposure is just the deposits they held on their balance sheet. Silvergate has said that they did not lend to FTX. They made it very clear that their only relationship with FTX and related entities, including Alameda Research, the hedge fund, was a deposit relationship. And so if you have a deposit with Silvergate, you can send money to other clients who also have those deposits on a platform they call the SEN, the Silvergate Exchange Network. And what our reporting indicating was, indicated was that customers had been directed to buy FTX to send money to Alameda Research. And that was to, in at least one case, a Silvergate bank account. And that has raised concerns and questions from lawmakers. Our reporting doesn't go any further in, in saying sort of how that tied into the kind of commingling of funds and so on that have been alleged when it comes to FTX and Alameda. But it does mean that Silvergate is part of these really difficult questions being raised by lawmakers, yes. by regulators, by investors. You know, how, how did no one spot this, right? You raised a good point, Max, about the short interest on the stock in that it's publicly traded, right? It almost has its own rise and fall story. I was looking at my Bloomberg uh, to the end of 2021 when the stock was above $200 a share. Now we're <laughs> down at $21 a share. I mean, what, what was the investor anxiety here for Silvergate? It was just their exposure to the contagion. So you, what you 
what would be helpful to do is to zoom out, right? Because around this time last year, we were talking about digital assets being at all-time highs, and that's when the stock hit $222, just about that period. But over the last year, we've had more events than just FTX. We've had the blow-up of the Terra Luna ecosystem, which in turn led to the collapse of Three Arrows Capital, the collapse of Celsius. So publicly traded stocks with exposure to crypto, that's Silvergate, that's other companies, that's you know names like MicroStrategy, which literally just hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet. All of those companies have taken a beating in the last year because of this anxiety. And just the blow up of FTX sort of accelerated and worsened that impact, I would say. Max, what have Silvergate said about all of this very quickly? Certainly. Silvergate's been pretty clear in saying that the controls that they had in place were sufficient, that they, again, had no sort of lending or any other kind of relationship, and that they were, in one statement to NBC, they described themselves as victims of SBF and his misleading practices the same way everyone else is. So the company has been pretty frank in denying any claims of wrongdoing. And it should be made clear that authorities have not alleged any wrongdoing. They haven't been accused of wrongdoing yes. by authorities. It's just there are questions circling. Yeah, thank you for your reporting. Bloomberg's Max Reyes there. Coming up, the world's most populous nation rapidly pulling back on its COVID zero policies. We'll tell you what this means for the health of people in China, but also, of course, the tech companies doing business there next. This is Bloomberg. While Hong Kong has served as a blueprint for China's opening up from COVID, it's also a huge, huge cautionary tale. Now, when the Omicron variant swept through this modern city of seven and a half million earlier part of this year, the city's sophisticated healthcare system was simply overwhelmed. At one point, Hong Kong had the world's highest death rate due to COVID. There simply wasn't enough space to put all the patients or bodies. Some of the sick were put outside on gurneys as body bags with the deceased stacked up in some wards next to the infected living. Morgues, too, were inundated. Most of Hong Kong's nearly 11,000 total COVID deaths happened between February and April of this year. Like Hong Kong, China has a largely under-vaccinated elderly population, but on a much, much larger scale. And China, too, doesn't have the more sophisticated mRNA vaccinations available. We have to remember that China has been protected the public for so long. There has been no herd immunity in China. So um, this is going to start. And this process is not going to be smooth. It will be quite difficult. With the sudden dismantling of COVID restrictions, including mandatory PCR testing to enter public spaces, China is bracing for a surge in infections and deaths, more than 2 million fatalities by one estimate. Criticism of COVID zero is rapidly being replaced by concern that the rapid policy shift 
away from the all-out eradication of the virus is happening too fast, and that China is ill-prepared, like Hong Kong was back in March, for a health crisis of unseen proportions. Stephen Engel, Bloomberg News, Hong Kong. I mean, clearly a very tough story to continue to have to talk about. We forget the health impacts, of course, the, the death impacts. Ed, but also we have to talk, as we do at Bloomberg time and time again, the economic impacts of all of this. And we yeah. want to thank our Asia chief correspondent, Stephen Engel, for that piece, because you've been doing some really thoughtful leadership in terms of what's happening for companies such as Tesla, companies that are desperate to get into China and then find, well, the demand is being eroded, but in some ways the supply too. You know, we, we may have stopped tracking the virus um, in Europe and in North America day to day, but in China, you know, look how quickly have we gone from COVID impacting production or impacting the ability of tech companies like Tesla to carry out their business to now the impact on demand, right? And even though there's this reopening and easing of restrictions, there are lots of questions about that. The most recent report from Bloomberg, according to sources, they're actually going to shut down the assembly lines imminently in Shanghai and then later in the Chinese New Year in January do the same. Some of that, according to sources, is for maintenance, upgrades. Mm. But there's still this question about demand. It's a really difficult situation, I suppose, to understand. And how hard is that going to be to peel apart what is just the usual way of things during the beginning of January yeah. for China and what actually is the COVID impact here? Well, usual things for the beginning part of January when you have the Chinese New Year yeah. and normal for Tesla to do maintenance. It's just that Tesla doesn't communicate and say, here's our plan. And so investors, if you look at the share price this week, have got a little nervous despite a positive end for the stock on Friday. I have a feeling we'll be talking about both China, both Tesla, plenty yeah. more next week. But for today, Ed, that's it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology, hey? The app that does it. Don't forget to check out our podcast. You can find it on the Bloomberg Terminal, of course, on Apple, Spotify, and always on iHeartRadio. Big week, Caro. But that's it for us. This is Bloomberg. When it's time for an adventure on the open highway, one quick call to American Family Insurance gets you headed in the right direction. Our travel peace of mind package is there if you encounter a bump in the road. From roadside assistance to rental car coverage, we have you covered. Find a local agent or get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Smoothie King does coffee better than the rest. Delicious coffee smoothies with new espresso or cold brew plus real nutrition. Enjoy any 20-ounce coffee smoothie for just $5 all day when you scan with the app. Valid at participating locations. See website for terms. Make Smoothie King your king of coffee. 
Thank you guys for tuning in to the Realist and the Visionary Podcast. Our podcast can be listened on all major streaming apps. Join us on our website at www.therealistthevisionary.com. Click that first tab and hop in our community chat. Facts. Share some feedback and show us some love. Talk to us about anything. Also, head over to The Righteous Speaks to be featured on our show. So, go ahead. Check out the website at www.therealistthevisionary.com. Cheers. The Realist. The Visionary. The Realist. The Visionary. The Realist. The Visionary. The Realist, 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 Realist. And The Visionary. And The Visionary. And this show is brought to you by... Strugglelife.net. Go get your own struggle caps on Strugglelife.net before the year is out. Word. My name is Tina and I'm the realist. And it's your boy Dutch the Visionary. Yes, thank you for tuning in to another episode. We appreciate the love and the support. Please do us a favor. Follow us on TikTok and IG at the Realist the Visionary. And head over to the website at www.therealistdivisionary.com. Check out all the cool features and participate in The Righteous Speaks, which is a segment where we allow you, the listener, to voice your opinions to be heard and featured on this show. We want you guys to participate. We love to hear you guys' opinions about certain topics. Last week, we asked you guys... You know, are you understanding of one's spiritual journey? So we're going to keep that one going. Give it another week. See who participates. Okay. So please, you know, participate. That's all I got to say about that. And if you're new here, disclaimer, you know, we talk that talk. You know, we talk that shit. We don't talk nothing. And if y'all don't like it, then don't listen to us. I just wanted to put that out there. You don't. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but anywho, what up with you? Nothing. Nothing. What nothing. up, good people? So, a lot's been going on in this matrix. This matrix is glitching every day. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing. We are in the truth ever. All right, the truth ever. This is the time of truth. Everything's been unveiled. I know I've been saying it for the last couple of shows, and I'm going to keep on saying it because no one's giving me an answer. Now that we have the truth slowly being unveiled by the quote-unquote elites that influence this society, what are we doing? What are we going to do? I know a lot of us is going um always keeping in mind to continue to... um. You know, stack up for uh, the end times, you know, get your survival fools, have certain things in place. You know what I mean? Just in case. Always got to think about the just in case. Don't forget about that. And I'm still the type of still live. You know what I mean? Still live life because um, life is a beautiful uh, experience when you when you uh, truly appreciate you know what we are and what it is and your purpose here, you know? 
Yeah, I for agree. Sure. Definitely. But yeah, like I said, this nature's been breaking, man. Another, um, I was watching some funny shit. And, um, this dude, right? They still, they still, they still going back and forth with Ye and shit, right? But we ain't gonna talk about Ye too much. But I find it funny that the, um, the ADL, and for those who don't know who the ADL is, the ADL is the Anti Defamation League. <laughs> And they started in like the early 1912s, like early 1900s. It's pretty much to stop the defamation of Jewish people and secure justice and fair treatment to all. Right. That was their uh, mission statement. And the whole company pretty much started off because a Jewish guy who was in jail was wrongly accused of something. And he was hung from a tree. And I guess after they hung him from the tree, the people who hung him celebrated. They had like barbecues around the body and took pictures and things of that nature. And ever since then, because this Jewish guy was a wrongly accused of a crime he didn't commit, this is when the ADL started. I just find it funny because the ADL decides to get on a breakfast club, you know. And for people who's in a 4D and 5D minds, I keep telling people, like, peep this. Breakfast Club is 105.1 is definitely owned by Jewish media. All right. iHeartRadio, all that shit is all owned by Jewish media. So why wouldn't they have the anti-defamation Jewish Power Rangers come try to put a a, a blanket over the flame that Mr. Gay has no sparked up to society oh you know we're here to help all people you know it's not about Kanye it's just about people just saying things and and it, it was really was pathetic listening to uh the two radio hosts sit there and go back and forth with this dude and damn near kind of ask for uh permission or what's the right things to say without offending people and things of that nature. Like you're asking them for the proper words to say. And I think it's really pathetic. Again, like outside of that, that, that surface level of shit, just pathetic of people to keep them from the soul pussy and soft by having an opinion. We are in like the most censored ever, ever, you know? And I feel like most of this uncensored mentality that most of us kind of built not us but people I would say came from 2016 when Trump came into office you know we people seen a lot of the quote unquote white supremacists and racists come out the wind works and people but it was it wasn't about even being quote unquote white supremacists or racist it was really about people just speaking their minds feeling proud about speaking their minds and not feeling pussy about saying anything and then whatever consequence came after you spoke was the consequence you know what I mean mm-hmm. that was it, you know, it, it was, but now it's like oh you can't say x y and z because you're going to lose everything it's deeper than somebody it's deeper, it's deeper than somebody on the internet being mad at you you're going to have your family mad, be mad at you you might lose your job you might lose your wife you might lose your whole bank account. You might lose your college degree. You might lose your awards. You might lose so much shit for having an opinion. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And no one's questioning 
the control aspect of this, like, and I think the thing is really sickening that no one's questioning it. Like, nobody's really uh trying to speak up for it. But everyone, like, some people really want to go with the okie doke and you know, oh, don't say this or you know, don't don't use your platform to say that because you know. That's not your. That's not your lane. And then other people just want to stay silent, not say nothing, because they don't want bad, you know, things to happen to them. You know, it's it's so, it's just so cringe right now. The way the world is at, I'm just frustrated. I, ho- I hope you guys can hear my frustrations. <laughs> yeah. What's your thoughts on um everything being um so censored? I don't really have any like feelings because we already know that they control everything. So. What is there to do, you know? Y'all's going to have his truth come out regardless, like we've seen that. Um, but we could just keep doing what we're going to do, and it is what it is. There will be a point where all this shuts down anyway, where we ain't going to be able to get on that net or talk on the mic or go on Instagram. Like, none of that's going to be relevant. So, you know, we just have to keep pushing forward. And yeah, it's going to reveal everything before it all crash and burns. That's why the whole world is being awakened to who the true Hebrews are, whether they want to believe it or not. So it's just a timeline of things, you know? It's crazy. A lot of, um, I've seen a lot of, a lot, a lot of other influencers, especially the Hebrew ones, was digging into the Bibles that the Zionist Jews um, practice, like the teachings. Mm-hmm. And it was reading some of the things in there, and it's like you know, it's right here in their in their teaching. You could get these books, you know, out of their you know stores and shit like that. And the things that they believe spiritually is really fucked up. Like it's not even spiritual. It's more of like a code. You know what I mean? Like people not like we thinking this shit is all religious based nah nah this is all coded like they're like if, if somebody doesn't look like you you have and um you have the right to like make money off of them for whatever reason they're they're your slave if they don't they're not like you you know what i mean they have things in their book that says like um the messiah jesus to them at least he uh there's like rituals in there where he uh you know, boil semen in urine. You know what I mean? It's in it's in the Zionist bound books. Uh, this guy that I was watching, to be honest, it was Rizzo Islam. I was looking at on YouTube, and he was breaking down, reading it word for word, right out of their book. Like this is the shit that's in their book. Like you guys can read this, and this is why we have to stop allowing these. What, what book is that? I forgot which one. He says these two other books that they have that they practice within their Jewish community, Zionist Jews, not just any Jew, the Zionist ones. Sorry about that, but um. Yeah, it was. It got, it got real nasty in there. He was like, "This is their, this is what's in their shits." You know what I'm saying? He was so just looking into it. I want to look into it a little more. I think it's really um sick at that at, at where we're at right now. You know, it's just sick that we even that people even let it get this far. Can't have an opinion. Like you could watch TV. Somebody on TV could say the word dyke. You say dyke on the internet, you might get blocked. You go on TV, History Channel talk about Mr. Hitler. You go on the internet, say anything about Hitler, you will get blocked. You know what I mean? 
Like you can't even say that shit in public. You can't, you lose your job for saying something about the LGBT. You know? Yeah. How many white people do you know that actually lost their jobs and money and everything for being racist? Probably little to none. Probably a handful of them. I'm pretty sure over, you over the years. Kill a black man. All they're gonna do is give you a vacation. So. Go get paid off. But we already know. I want to move forward from this. But we have talked about censorship before. Yeah. And that's really nothing that we can control. Um, in other news, Brittany Griner. Child. Gas prices. Gas prices go down today. Went down today. So we're just going to bypass what I was trying to talk about. Oh, no. That was go hand in hand. People were saying how, oh, Brittany Griner gets gets out of jail and gas prices go down. Interesting. I don't know how it goes hand in hand, but people made that, uh, what's the I word? Um, the observation. I don't get it. But Russia, they freed the he, she, and. They you traded. Know. When have you ever heard of niggas trading a prisoner, guys? I don't know. I, I'm sure it happens, but I've never really like like trading one prisoner from one like from a level one facility to a level five facility. I've heard of, but I've never heard of two countries swapping high profile prisoners. A day of my life. How do you I, feel about that? I don't know. I I don't I don't know. I don't really I don't know how to feel. I just. A lot of people sent that to us, so we just gonna mention it because a lot of y'all sent this. I just the most cringy thing to me is the fact that they've tried to pass this off as a woman. Like that, that it's like it's almost like disrespectful. Like it's really disrespectful. Like that y'all try to really put this man in our face and say that this is a woman and have this man in the WNBA, like. <laughs> And a lot of them are men in there. I ain't gonna lie. A lot, a lot of, some, some of them women up in there, it's not really women. Yeah, yeah. That's how people she, find it hard to believe. He, he is definitely a man. I don't I don't care what nobody tell me. There's pictures of this man on the internet, like a man chest. Like, no, nothing on. No bra, no t-shirt, nothing. Man chest. The entire build is a man. The entire voice is a man. Yeah, the entire height is a man. That nigga's foot size is a man. <laughs> that nigga's forehead with the protruding eyebrows is a man. But yeah, I mean, I don't keep saying that's a is a man. That's that's, that's that hormone pills. <laughs> that's a man. Ain't no it ain't no freaking um what's it called the juice? What they call it the uh, the shots that the bodybuilders and them use? What's it called? Steroids. It ain't no steroids. That's a man. Okay, so it's it's insulting. Like you trying to insult us? Like that's clearly a man. That's that's my rant when it comes to this Britney Griner. Like. Ever since I found about this thing, like, years ago, I was like, are they really trying to pass this off as a woman? Like, they're really trying to tell us to our faces that's a natural-born woman. And there are women who have hormonal issues. They might have a little bit more testosterone. You know what I'm saying? There are women who have, like, uh, polycystic ovary like diseases where it causes them to have a I bunch mean, of but facial y'all hair tell me every bitch and different in the, things. Every chick in the WNBA just wild masculine though. Like it's not I, all I, of them. It's not all of it's them. A good, it's like it's a good 90% amount. of the WNBA is wild masculine. I want to bring it up because when I was in college, I remember watching 
some good the girls play ball when I was in school. And me and the dude used to sit there and be like, yo, a lot of these girls are so, like, there's some tough, flamboyant females and they're so pretty shooting that ball. But you look at the WNBAs, all these giant dyke joints. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've seen your Smoothie King does coffee better than the rest. Delicious coffee smoothies with new espresso or cold brew plus real nutrition. Enjoy any 20-ounce coffee smoothie for just $5 all day when you scan with the app. Valid at participating locations. See website for terms. Make Smoothie King your king of coffee. Liberty Games, they they took, I mean, my parents took us to New York Liberty Games as like, you know, me and my sister to see like the WNBA play. Um and yeah, they a lot of them are very masculine. They're just dudes. I'm not gonna lie, I hate to say this, but some of the nah, I, I'm not even gonna say what I'm about to say because I'm about to sound mad ignorant. But yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them are definitely masculine. Like even you know Joanna man, and you remember in Joanna man, and see Joanna man is telling you something. Nah, you think it's a, nah, you think nah, it's a comedy, nah, but see, look that at up. that. I was look gonna bring that, that up now. Again, like, like, glad you bring up Juana, man. When we go back into these movies, all right, they always told the story. They always told us. In the Satanic Bible, they want the truth has to be told type shit. So they can't say they never told you. It's like something that they follow. So just bringing up Juana, man. When they put the symbolism, you know, they got the first thing, they always got to take the black man, you know, the feminizing, whatever, 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 right? Feminizing, I mean. All right, he played on a WNBA team, right? right? Well, in the movie, he, he was an NBA, off as an NBA player. player. Didn't Something work happened out where they the suspended WNBA. him, and then he decided to dress as a woman to be in the WNBA. What, I want y'all to just what makes like just put it what why in the world that we live in right now where you got dudes who want to be girls girls who want to be dudes and it's like so common and they're pushing for that narrative what would make you think let's say there's a dude junior high school let's say he moved to a new town he he feeling kind of flamboyant he feeling real zesty he moved his parents want to support his basketball dream because he's still nice at ball he's just feeling wild zesty and then they start putting his hormone pills jacked up in the motherfucker and he starts playing for the girls team and no one ever really questioned it that he gets drafted to the WNBA and gets a check. What? What? Why is that like too far fetched of a thing for some people to believe? Because I would believe that there will be a couple of hoop stories just like that. The truth was out there. Brittany Griner. But, but <laughs> like I said, the truth. I said the story of it. Like, oh no, this is a like they they was jacking up this dude since he was twelve with hormone pills. By the time he was eighteen, no one really knew, but he was still nice at ball. And like, that was that. That was the story. That was the hoop dream story. Listen, I bring up Joanna, man, because of that, you know, story. But also, remember the white girl that was um, on the team with Joanna, man, and she was like musty or she had hair underneath her arms and she had like a stash. That's actually a real WNBA player. And they actually made a movie about her sister and that player's lives on the Disney Channel. You wasn't a Disney Channel kid, but it was called Double Team. Where they, I remember the, you, that. Yeah, they, they, the they made a movie about them. But what I'm saying is is that she even looked like a man. Her and her sister looked like men. 
they're masculine. It's it's like, and that's what's so insulting is that if you get like a, a boisterous, like loud woman, men are quick to call like girly girls masculine. But then when it comes to Britney Griner, but there are a lot of Brit- people who are like, nah, Britney Griner is clearly a man. But you know what I'm saying? Like they'll accept the LGBTQ or all these hitting people who are clearly masculine. Like, I don't know. Well, what's your thoughts? I'll be bringing that up because it's just like it's a it's been circulating a lot on social media. I'm just like, but these people out here, you don't say nothing about them. You accept Brittany Griner. You know what I'm saying? These same people, they would never say anything about that being a man. They would never say it like how we mm-hmm. saying it. No one gave a f- flying ass about who this motherfucker was until they brought her up anyway. Nobody knew who she was. Nobody cared who she was. Y'all only caring right now because they keep putting her in your faces. No one's probably ever seen this motherfucker play ball a day in her life. His life. I'm, have you seen her play ball? His life. Have you seen him play ball? <laughs> Hell no! And point, I, I never cared my, about. My point being, I just right knew there. that the only the only reason why I knew about her him is because, because social media. is no not even social media I've been knew about Britney Griner before this entire situation I just knew that that was a he she that's what I knew him for a he she in the WNBA okay it's true. Either way, did though, you know about Britney Griner before this? Absolutely not. So that, so but I'm saying I knew about Britney Griner before this. Okay, because it's because I always knew that was a man, and it was always it, I had conversations in the past before, like with my sister in law. Okay. She was introducing to me like how a lot of these people are opposite sex, and she used that person as an example. So I've been knew about this person years ago. That's how I knew. One of the governors in Detroit. Is a full blown tranny, you know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, they like the first governor official to be a, a, a open tranny. Uh, I don't there, even... A lot of them are trannies. He's just right. the open one. <laughs> but outside of them, we don't want to keep sitting on the alphabets. Um, what else you want to talk about? Um, nothing else in the news. Shout out to everybody else who's been sending us stuff. There's been a lot of missing children in Memphis. A lot of missing children. You already know what that's about. Sex trafficking, organ harvesting, you know what I'm saying? Rituals. It's sad. And um, a good majority is black, if not all of them. If not all, they're all black. So you already know what that is. It's that get out shit. Um, that's really much it. We can get in today's episode. I mean, even even going back into uh, you talking about the child trafficking. Me, me, and the realists that watched the uh, film the other day, which was it was like awkward in the very beginning. Uh, what was it called with the black dude? What film? Oh, it was called The Peters. Meet the Peters or some shit. No, Meet the Petals. Oh no, it's called Peoples. The Peoples. It's um starring What's his name? The that comedian. It's it has Kerry Washington in it, and it has um the guy from freaking Living Color. Dang it! What's his name? David. What's that comedian? They had two main comedians in this. Right. The, the no, I I gotta tell them. I gotta tell them so they know who we're talking about. Ah, oh, goodness. Um, you know, his name is Craig. His name is Craig Robinson. That's who is star. Craig Robinson and, um, yeah, and, and Kerry Washington was in it. 
And who's that older comedian? Because I got to get his name too. David Allen Greer. I wanted to say that, but I wasn't sure. Okay, that's what's So, in the film, it, it gave me the Aerie Spears vibes. I'm going to tell you why. Um, and I'll bring up the Aerie Spears if you guys was tapped in or not tapped in. But anyway, in this film, in the beginning, they talk about how this, you know, the dude, he wanted to be... Um, he wanted to be a, a child psychiatrist, but he didn't finish school to become a child psychiatrist. He ended up just settling with doing like a, um, like a child, like a program where he tried to quote unquote help teenage or adolescent students get through like you know just awkward stages in their life. And he had a weird song that he used to sing with the kids. The song was pretty much about. Telling kids not to urinate on their parents. And it was awkward when I first heard it. Why why, why would they start a movie off like this with this dude singing this song up to kids about not urinating on their parents? And he's singing to two kids like in a movie. I didn't think this shit was funny. So they even brought up how awkward it was in like the next scene with his with one of his co-stars. And it reminded me of this Aerie Spears thing that went around on the internet about a month or two ago. If For those who saw it with Tiffany Haddish and Aerie Spears, and they did this awkward scene where Aerie Spears was playing a uncle um, who was babysitting one of his uh, sister's kids. And they were showing how the, you'll have that one uncle who's a perv and he's looking at your kid in a sexual way and they had like this one kid in a scene that was just sitting there in his boxers in like weird positions it was very strange either way it just gave me vibes like that and it just been, it just brought up you know the child trafficking situation whereas um, you know the media these movies they always playing with the kids you know what I mean like in the most awkwardest way. You know, we had the Balenciaga thing. People have brought up some old photos of Rihanna holding a random white baby with her titties out. It was very they strange. They all have done that. Right. But now that's all ritualistic. You know what I mean? Yeah, but these are the same people who everyone just going batshit crazy over. You know how many, like, photo shoots they've done that with? Like, even little Kim has photos of, like, holding random babies holding with her titties baby out. dolls or... It's weird. Um, it's, it is weird. It's evil because they do a lot of evil rituals with children um, and they do a lot of things with, with newborns. It's just it's just pure wickedness. Whatever disgusting, vile thing you can think of, that's what they do with children. And so, yeah, um, it's sad that there are children going uh, missing in Memphis and they're going missing all around the world. And we have done episodes dedicated to this, you know, and how... It goes from the freaking CPS. They're in on it. The the foster parents are in on it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's it's an evil, vicious cycle. Foster parents, I feel like, you know, even real parents, I feel like, like I mean, I'm going off of even like the R. Kelly thing, how the parents is willing to give their daughters to him. I feel like parents, foster parents, all them government agencies that are quote-unquote made to protect kids, all the other shit, like you said, they're all in on it. I hear so many parents on a day-to-day basis say how they can't wait to just get rid of their kid for a night. You know what I mean? Imagine somebody, a broke-ass, single 
mom or single dad who just ain't got no money then let's say we don't give a fuck about that kid let's say this kid was the bastard child type shit let's say this kid had every negative thing just lying on top of him and somebody's offering to give you a couple of racks for your kid I feel like there's people out there who are doing it yeah you feel me kid two years old don't really know much about me mom ain't give a fuck about the kid as it is had it with some nigga who only gave her one night stand type shit she already got like five six kids as it is she can't handle it take my kid you said CPS take the kid foster people definitely take the kid you know what I mean foster people definitely just tormenting half of their foster kids some of them do for a check and some of them just torment them so when you heard them stories about the foster parents the uh what you call it the um the boarding schools, the uh, what's the homes that the kids stay in when they are foster kids? Uh, I'm not sure. Foster homes, foster home things of that nature, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Let's get into today's episode. This is episode 174, and the title of this show is called. The burden of family. The burden of family. The burden of family. We're doing this show. It's more so like venting. And I'm sure that a lot of people could relate to this show. Because there has just been certain things that have been going on in my life. There's things that Dutch has been through in the past. And... I feel like family, you know, when it comes to family, it's like we're taught that, you know, blood to turn is thicker, the other cheek. Blood is thicker than water, turn the other cheek. And to always ride for your family, right or wrong. Yep. All right. That's what we're told to do, that's what we're taught to do. And those family members that we're taught to ride for in one generation, the next generation is not taught the same thing. The next generation is taught every man for themselves, fuck everybody. And to be honest, even though like our parents or our grandparents have taught us this, a lot of the times when you actually see their relations with their first cousins and their siblings, it's all shit. (laughs) It's like there's always beef. There's always drama. They tell you. It's like, isn't that hypocritical? It's like when you coming up, your parents is telling you, oh, you and your siblings, that's all y'all got. When we're not here, that's all y'all got. But then when it comes to their relationship with their siblings, it's like, it's like, well, well, you have beef with my aunt, you have beef with my uncle, or you not even fucking with so-and-so, or you have beef with your father, you have beef with your own mother. And so it's like, it's like super hypocritical. It's, but it's, it's out of good intentions. It's like, not really, because it's like, it's like, I got, I might have beef with my family members, but I don't want my kids to have beef with theirs, with their cousins. I don't want my, you know, some people don't want their kids to grow up beefing with their first cousins and beefing with their sisters. But some things are unevitable. Some things are unpreventable. You can't stop these things from happening. But they have good intentions for why they try to preach this to us, you know, to treat our family like that because they have fucked up situations, in my opinion. I can understand that. It's just sometimes it's just like, you know, you know, you have to lead by example. But then at the end of the day, like you just said, the inevitable will happen where you outgrow 
people in general, including your family members. And a lot of the times family really ain't shit. And a lot of times like it's a burden. Like you love your people to death, but you all know not everybody in your family is spiritual. Not everybody in your family understands the truth. A lot of people in your family look at you like you're a nut job. Like if you sit here and you speak out against the, you know, the jab, or if you try to like say anything that we talk about, like shit, if you, some of your family members, if you try to tell them that Brittany Griner's a man, they going to fucking come at you tooth and nail. No, that's that's a woman, and you're ignorant, and you're Mm -hmm. homophobic, and you're sexist. Like, it's just like, oh, family is just this word. Smoothie King does coffee better than the rest. Delicious coffee smoothies with new espresso or cold brew, plus real nutrition. Enjoy any 20-ounce coffee smoothie for just $5 all day when you scan with the app. Valid at participating locations. See website for terms. Make Smoothie King your king of coffee. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See web Cipher details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thing in society has damaged what family values really is, especially within our community. Especially within our community, I mean, within all communities. And by no, our fo- our shows are always focused on us. But from my experience in life with different ethnicities of pe- known people, it's in all families. Every family got the same archetype of a type of person within there that's fucking up the family. Every family got a cousin that's fucked up. That's doing dirty to other cousins. Every family man, got a drunk uncle. Man. Everybody's cousin got a drug, drug addict, addict person. Every, every, every don't matter, it don't matter. White, black, Arabic, it don't matter how woke you are, Hebrew, Chinese. Everybody got it. Every single person got it, people. And that's why I want us to like keep that in mind so don't don't be so harsh on our own community. Everybody got it. I, I know we have that, we, we have we have our our issues is it's this infiltrate right we have we have a yeah like I said a target for we don't want it's this like type of thing they, it's like they have done things intentionally like from, from slavery days from, to just down everything our to like dynamic. break down our family dynamic and the main thing like we, which we have said several times on this show is removing that head that man so like our issues are a lot different it's a little bit more special but I hear what you're saying that yeah everybody has the drunk auntie everybody got the gay cousins the gay everybody got it somebody in your family right I've heard crazy stories with the white folks yo they got they got the dad that left the mom for a man you know what I mean that's, that's traumatizing community too that, that's happening in our community now it was, I don't think that she was a norm but that shit is going on nowadays. We got the, you know, like I said, the drunk, the the drugs, 
got the the hateful cousins, the shiesty cousins, the the backstabbers. You got the ones who's trying to steal money from you. You got the the family who's plotting on the elder to die so they can take the money. Then they got the That's money. Fact. Ain't that it gets crazy? it get and family get real nasty with death come along. Oh. They be ready to collect oh. insurance wherever them wills come out. It's just nasty. It gets so, so nasty. And I, and I feel bad, but I realized like, again, that's in every family dynamic I've seen. No matter how old you get, how young you are, ethnicity, every family. So here's my question to you and other people. And shit, we might actually flip this and turn this into the new Righteous Speaks. But the question to you is, do you feel like family can be a burden to you Spiritually, emotionally, like physically, like family is like the number one weapon. Like I, I I just think back. Right now, I'm just my brain goes thinking to these celebrities, right? And the first, for example, Yay. I'll keep using Yay because he's just prominent. They keep using. He keeps you. He keeps talking about his family as if they, the higher ups, are going to use them as a weapon against him. And they always want to take what you love the most. Family's the biggest manipulating pool you could take to you could do with anybody. It's, it's, it's caring so much about them is almost det- it's a burden, like it's you said. Like you said, detrimental. Yeah. I'm not telling people not to care about your family, but you know, there's people out there who will change their whole dynamic of how they're living to care about that one person in their family that they love so much. How many people have do how many people you know right now that probably left their whole living situation to go take care of their moms? You know what I'm saying? They they left all the money on the table to go take care of somebody that they love. There's this you know, people out there who like there's guys out there, I remember stories my people used to say, I got tired of fighting for my sister. Why? Because my, my sister keep fucking with this dude. You know what I mean? I did the dude and whooped your ass now. You know what I'm saying? Now, now I'm in the hospital because I'm fighting for my sister who keep fucking with this dude who keep putting his hands on her. You can't care but so much. They don't learn. She's not learning. Why am I fighting for her? Because I love her. You know what I'm saying? Because that's my sister. It really is, But yet though, you're in the hospital now because you love your no, sister so much. It you will me? hurt you. Like, it will hurt you. It's like that blind, stupid love. Because you do love your people, but it really will hurt you in the end. And I feel like we're in this day and age where, honestly, you have to kind of choose yourself because a lot of people are going to fold anyway. Because a lot of people in our family are going to take the mark. And a lot of people in our family already folded with the vaccine. So it's just like you kind of have to protect yourself. But I'm glad you brought up that as as an example because, like, I'm going through that now. Like, you try to tell your loved one, you know, to do a... better or to like maneuver a certain type of way but then they're not even strong enough to do it and it's like it's bothering you it's making you depressed it's making you like why like you feel bad if your loved one is going through something but then if they're not even trying to take you know advice from me or, or to, other people or, or family, take the proper action or, yeah. towards whatever mm-hmm. you know like, like you said you know what's the point you, you, you know it's hurting your own feelings that they won't take the action. Like I said, that I'm the guy with the little sister and little sister keep out there thotting and doing that shit. And I get, I gotta keep being, being big brother to save my little sister. I'm tired of doing. I would be tired of doing that shit. 
Yeah. Because you keep on doing stupid shit. You feel me? Yeah. One thing my father, my father always gave so many different examples, especially when it came to our family and his side of the family. And he had his cousin, you know, that he loved, like his, you know, his first cousin that he loved. And anytime she had problems with niggas, she was always calling my dad. I said this on the show before. She would always call my dad. My dad would be first to her aid. Ready to fight niggas, dude. You know what I'm saying? And then there was a time when he went over to where, you know, she called for him. Niggas had guns and all this shit. Pulled all these guns on my dad. And, like, my dad had to be smart to get out of that situation. But it's just like, family will get you killed. Like, she could have ended up getting my father killed. I wouldn't even be here. Because of, like, of her, all own, cause of her decisions. own stupid decisions. And because his his own love and caring emotion. You know exactly. I mean? So you gotta be careful with how much you want to care for family. I could see why people, you know, yo, my they got a son or an uncle that keep getting locked up. I can't keep bailing you out. You feel me? Like it, it, it's it's it's, detri- it's really just detrimental family. Um, and again, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and say don't love your family. Please love your family. I'm a family oriented nigga. I love to love my family, but. I have a bad seed in my family that I know I can't love but so much, but I still can't help but love the person just out of just because that's your family by default. You know what I mean? All the time. It's like an innate thing. Yeah. It don't matter if you don't even talk to your loved ones, like on a regular, if you have a close relationship, it's just that love is just there. Even if they do do you wrong, like it's like like it's, it's like a stupid type of love. Like I mean, it's, it's your blood family. It's like, your blood. When it, so the whole, in my own opinion, the whole blood thicker than water is because by blood you're going to feel so connected. You know what I mean? Do you think that it's ingrained because we share yes. blood and DNA, or do you think yes. it's just something that we're taught this I, by our parents? Like this is your, this is your sibling, this is your family. You're supposed to love them unconditionally. You're it's, supposed it's, to it's blood a, thicker than water. It's a little bit of both because it's like you're going to love them by default. Not cause, not just because you said that's my cousin. It's like if you could, like, boom, you I go to if I go to a family reunion. Oh, these are your cousins, and you could show me how. That's this person from that person from that person. You could see right there how close that person kind of is. They almost kind of look like you, and we could see your own little feature in them because, you know, your mom, your auntie, uncle, everybody all going to look like grandma. You know what I mean? So you do the whole family trees that you could see where, why you would have this natural connection to this person. You feel me? For me, I feel like, well, Dutch is different because I have siblings, and he didn't really have siblings. His cousins were like his siblings, but it's not really the same. So, like, for me, I was just always taught, like, my siblings and their kids is more so immediate. And I'm not even really immediate. Like, once, you're, once your siblings have children, you're not even immediate no more. Their immediate family is their kids, of course. But I was just always taught that's my immediate family. And when it came to, like, cousins and stuff, like, yeah, like, family reunions or you, certain holidays, you would see your cousins. But I never really, like had close cousin relationships to give a fuck about my cousins to be honest like it's like if you're there you care about your cousins if you you know if you hear that they're doing good you're you're in good spirits you're happy about it but i never really 
care because I think I just never had like close enough relationships oh. when I was older with my cousins. When I was younger, it was different. But yeah, like for me, cousins older, is always like your automatic by default best friend before your friends. For you, because you didn't have any siblings. Kind of sort of. But even when I went like to go visit my other family and I'm like, oh, these are all my cousins, it was like just automatic by default. You my, you know, you just my bestest friend because you my cousin. Like, fuck a friend. You know what I mean? Like, I would put, you know, family trade, I would put cousins before a friend. I would walk out my cousins by default. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, you, you, you know by blood, you can call up your cousin to come ride for you, some people, before your best friend. Maybe. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I just think that it's like overrated because you could find somebody who's not related to you who will do who's you right, who will go hard, who believes the same things you believe. Who see all the stuff in the world, see the corruptness, you know, the evilness, and they're on the same like spiritual wavelength as you. And then you have your family. Yeah, you love them, but then they're dumb. Like yeah. they're vaccinated. So it's like, right. what, what the fuck can you do? Like, it's like a point where honestly, you do kind of have to separate because there's going to be a point where it's you got to choose your life over theirs because if they out here, gonna get vaccinated they're gonna get sick and they're making all these decisions why the fuck should you go down for their mistakes right what, what's your thoughts on that because it's like no nah, you shouldn't go down for nobody's mistakes but your own you know what i mean people need to have a better um accountability for self without trying to drag other people in especially in another thing i noticed with family Family always quick to blame another family member for somebody for their own like issues. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. How many? The right now, you guys listening, you could probably think of a time where your mom or dad or aunt or uncle or somebody that's close to you blamed the other, blame, blame their own mom or dad for some shit that they got into, and but if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have did this. Oh my if y'all would have raised me like this, I wouldn't have did this. Oh, if you would have had me brought up in this kind of environment, it would be some type of excuse. Family's always going to be the first to blame. You know what I mean? I feel, and I feel like that's why he, I see a lot of people nowadays have that cold heart towards family. You know what I'm saying? The word, the family at that point just becomes a word. It doesn't become a, a, a definition of um, values and morals anymore. You know what I mean? It just became another word in the dictionary like girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever label you want to place on top of somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Family. The word family used to have morals, values, and ethics behind it. Like this is my family. We move as a unit. Like when you have a family reunion, everyone's wearing the same t-shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like it's not the same. And, but I think it's not the same because a lot of people have turned the cheek for their family. Like, 
the, the, the real lies. It's, it's never stopped. Like the backstabbing and the bullshit never like stopped. It's just back then, you know, you always had that patriarch or that matriarch that was the glue that like kept everybody together so that, you know, the family stayed a certain type of way. But then once that person dies, it's just kind of like the other people like, fuck, why, why am I going right. to keep that taking shit? That person dies all those, all the morals and values and ethics. The bad person was, was that person was the thing that was keeping it all but together. was it right though because it's like yeah you keep turning the cheek but why are you going to keep like taking bullshit and taking well, things no, it's from, not your right. pe- from your you sh- people you shouldn't you shouldn't it's not right as an individual you know what I mean it's a, it's a real touchy subject it all depends on how your own morals, values, and beliefs is aligned and what you feel like the most high would appreciate you doing as an individual. If the most high is telling you to fall back from that particular family member, that's what you gotta do. Cause not every not not all can focus right for you. You feel me? But the most high got you having patience, he got you still being just a solid individual because of the values and morals that he has put into you. And how you gonna treat your family? You gonna continue to treat your family as you gonna want to treat them, or as, as you should. There's nothing wrong with boxing in your family either. I box in my friends. There's nothing wrong with boxing in your family. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I can only fuck with my this particular family member for this particular reason. If you only got fuck with them to help out grandma, or you got help help on auntie, it is what it is. You only fucking with them when you helping out auntie and grandma. You only fucking with them at family reunions. You only fuck with them to make. Things continue to move forward for the family's sake, and then you go about your business. It just be like that. You don't gotta be buddy buddy. Sometimes you just gotta do that. And if you just gotta cut off that family member, then just cut them off for some time. Don't let too much time go by though, because when you get lonely, when you get to this point in the world where you just really by yourself, family's really gonna be all you have left. And that's what my mind takes me when the coming around is just. Taking in the future, you know what I mean? You could have your girlfriend, your wife, you could have your spouse, you could have all these friends. When these people drop off like flies, because it happens every day. Wives and husbands get divorced all the time. Friends drop off like flies. The one thing you might have left is family. You don't know what that, that family member that you was beefing with, you don't know what that person going to be going through around them times when that time gets rough for you. That y'all might be all y'all got left. So you're going to continue to hold the grudge. It's these, these are little things that I think about in the future for people. I be, I tell these things to, you know, my own, my own moms and other family members. Like, yo, you know, don't hold grudges too much on other family members because you never know when you really going to need that person to slide for you or you really, they going to need you to slide for them for something. You know what I mean? Just don't look at it like that. These are people who've been in your life for 30, 40, 50 years who love you unconditionally no matter what. For me, it's like kind of difficult because it's like the love is there. Yeah, like I have siblings I grew up with, but I don't have anything in common with any of my siblings. None of my siblings are spiritual or understand the things that I understand, but I love them. But then when I'm when I'm around them, it's kind of draining because it's like I got to force myself to talk about really, really surface level things. Because there's nothing else to talk about to them with because they just won't understand it. You know what I'm saying? Or if you've tried to talk about things, um, it's going to offend people or 
you know, they're just going to think that you're crazy. So to me, that becomes like very overwhelming. And honestly, the only person that I can talk to about anything with and who truly understands me and is like awakened to the fact of all this spiritual stuff is my mother. And I think, yeah, that I do have a mom who understands everything that I say and me and her can have these conversations. We could read the Bible. We can talk about these things. And my mom trusts my word. If I'm like, you better never get that vaccine. She's like, I believe you, honey. I understand what you're saying. So to have my mom in this, like really knowing and really growing into this, to me, that's just so much favor because so many people don't have their mom who's on that same like like wavelength, like you know that wavelength, or they just don't understand. So it's kind of hard, and so like for me, it'd be like I, I'd rather just cling to the family members who get that because that's where I'm at in my life right now, and that's that's just how I feel. It's like, yeah, I can hang out with my siblings and, you know, we could play like games and it, it could be like a good time, but that like, that's it. And it's just like, in these day and age, you can't just keep it like that because shit is getting realer and realer every day. So how, how much can you really keep it in La La Land? Cause I can't keep it in La La Land. Everybody else is in La La Land. I'm, I can't be in La La Land cause I know shit's coming. And so to me, that's what makes it hard. Yeah, everybody wants to be in La La Land. They're choosing to be in La La Land. That's really what it is. Well, how how does it make you like? How does it make you feel like when you know like I don't. You don't have like you don't feel any type of way. It doesn't bother no you. More. What that they choose to be in La La Land? Yeah. No, I don't care no more. I try when I when I care too much. I got I got people upset, so I stopped caring. So how do you just navigate it? You just keep it surface level and just keep it like I don't say but so much. I mean, I know my people's you know, so I know they ain't get the shock or they already heard what I said. I said what I said to them. They know I was dead ass. Cause I don't be like when I'm dead ass with them, I'm dead ass with them. I'm like, Y'all make your own y'all make your own choices, but you know what I'm saying, you don't just think about what you what you gonna do. Because you planted the seed they think about it. I know my voice rings in their head. But uh, as of everything else, like, you know, some people just can't get all extra deep with and shit. I mean, it is what it is. You feel me? Like, I just choose to ignore it and enjoy everything else about the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when, like, when my folks just like, ah, right, you still want to be on your holiday shit? Don't talk to me about holidays. But we could talk about other shit. You know what I mean? But then it'd be conflicting. Like, you know, it'd be conflicting. Because it'd be like, because they, they want to do that. And then it, it'd be like, well, you, why you don't want to do that no more? Like, why are you acting well, like so this? I'm, already, I'm be, already past that phase with them. We had, I had to go through that for three, four years. And then after that, you know what I'm saying? It was like, all right, I'm over it. They're over it. You know what I mean? I don't know. To me, it's just, I. it's hard for me to like... I get what you're saying as far as enjoying them for certain things. Everything else, yeah. but it's like for me, I can't do that. Well, it's like true. I could, I could, yeah, I could spend, but it's like in small dosages. I couldn't fucking be around that like twenty four seven. I couldn't because it's like I'm dumbing myself down, and this is not where I'm at spiritually. It's just like it's just it's just not aligning. Like 
I can't get deep with you. And then it's like your other actions, other worldly actions is fucking you up. And then it just makes it even more like annoying for me to have to hear and listen to things like that. It really does fuck with your spirit. Like it really does fuck with you. And so for me, it's just like small dosages, like, or just talk about movies, talk about things. But it's like, you know how me and you judge, we could talk about a movie and we're going to talk about it like all over the place yeah we could be like this was a good movie but then me and you'll be like did you see those symbolisms did you see that oh wow this connects to this this connects to that but then when you talk to the other family member you literally gotta just talk about the movie (laughs) like you can't even go deep and like I don't know for something something like that that's that's what kind of bothers me I know know exactly what you mean it's just like okay, I like the, the conversation could but go but so far. Yeah, I have the same relationship with like some of my friends. Like I have a friend who played video games a lot, and I I play the games with him, and it might be surface level, but I, when I start getting all deep, can't keep up in the conversation. That's why I'm like, what's the point? Like, then? Right, like, it's, it's almost pointless. It's like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I got that part. I got into that part of the game. Did you peep the part where this person did la la la? Did you peep how this person la la la? And then oh, it's like a you know it gets like a, a dead point. And it's like damn, like yeah. I wish I wish you would pay it. Like you play, you need you both into the same thing, but you're not looking into the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not seeing what I'm seeing, and, it's, and I don't know. Like I know the person just don't give a fuck really about whatever. But it's like it would be cool if. They did. You know what I mean? I just feel like certain relationships are going to be detrimental to have. I'm yeah, going to be honest. Like, it's, just, it's just getting to that point. Like it's, it's getting to that point. And I do feel like it's like a burden sometimes. Like, because yeah. the love is like you. The love is just it's just there. But then it's yeah. just like, well, damn. Like, But you don't even see shit. You don't even know what's about to come. You know what I'm saying? Like if shit if shit pops off today, me and you already know what's up. They they're gonna be like, what the fuck is going on? They're gonna be just like the rest uh, of the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? What was that? Um, the person that's the person calling. <laughs> like, oh, this is happening. I'm like, oh, you know, like that. Remember that? Remember that time when I told you about this, that, and the third? Listen, they're not gonna be able to reach you. That's another thing too. They're gonna be like thinking about you, and they'll be like, shit. And I tell you, I tell you, my mom, my mom's will call me. My mom's will call me, like, baby. That thing you told me about that one thing, you was right. Mm-hmm. You was right. I just want to let you know you was right, okay? Have a good day. <laughs> and I'm cool. I'll be like, thank you, mom. I'm cool with that. Thank you. At least someone told me. Because she's paying attention now. She'll watch the news and she'll share articles with me. She'll be like, this is the same, similar to what you was referring to. I'm sharing this article with you because I remember you telling me about something like this months ago. One thing, since so let me bring this up, one thing that I want y'all to pay attention to that I would love to probably do a conversation about, um, that my mom's is bringing to my um, attention that the black housing market, a lot of these people, they're either, they're either overcharging black people to move into certain areas. They're not charging white people the same prices or other ethnicities the same prices. And when it comes time for wealthy black people or just any type of black people who want to sell their homes, the real estate agent is lowballing the home. Mm-hmm. And there's been articles on the news that happened to a California couple, three different black couples in California. It happened to within the span of a month or two. 
um, the one black family he has said the he, I think you know he, he did like a whole bunch of innovations you know a big old nice house in California or whatever whatever he wants to sell the crib for about 800 grand the real estate person was lowballing it down to like 400 trying to get it off and the guy was like no I want 800 from my house I know how much my house is worth because they're black family kept lowballing it right they fired the person they want them selling the more then they rerouted the situation and the guy had a colleague who said you know what let me let me act like I'm you I'm gonna make the house look like this is me and my wife's house not the house itself but like put pictures up in the house like oh this is you no know, white people that live here and the real estate agent was trying to sell it for the 800 and more because it was a white family that quote unquote owned the house or that they thought owned the house that mm-hmm. they perceived it was really a black family and because they was able to prove that this happened on different occasions mm-hmm. you know I, it's just something I'm bringing up for everyone to look out for how we are always being uh, looked against even you know in other ways you can have money and you're still trying to show down downplay you you know what I mean yeah like it's, it's kind of weird I know kind of veer left from the whole family thing but just think my family just brought up that whole housing thing with me in my mind, like how we all be a low ball. We need to stick together and everything overall. But let's go back into the um Do you feel like family could be a financial burden or Oh yeah, all the time. And that's another thing. Family too. family family and your your your, your lady, <laughs> your kids and your family are gonna kids be kids and your wife don't count. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, they do. Your family, your kids, the wife, the wife, the kids and wife is considered in the same category as family, depending on where you at in your life. Those going to be your biggest expenses. How are you not? Your kids is not your family. I said depending on where you at in your life. Like I said, because some people can have kids that are grown adults. They're not really a financial burden to them no more. Their kids are well off of anything. The kids are giving them money now, and they're good. Depending on where you're at in your life, we don't have kids, so I can't relate to too much of what I'm about to say. But you were my biggest expenses, and you're just my wife, so it's like you know these are going to be your biggest financial expenses. Ah, uh, yeah, but okay, let's not talk about direct, like immediate or relations. Cause what are we talking I, about here? Like also, like like. It'd be it be situations where you're gonna have to like help your your older parent. Or, yeah, family is or a burden. Something could happen financially, financially yes. with yes. your siblings' kids or yes. something like that. And it'd be like, damn. And then it'd be like, yes. you be like trying to you try to get your shit together, and then something happened with them. You'd be like, fuck. Now yes. I gotta sit here and and help them. And I know that sounds like I'm complaining, but it'd be like. A family could be a serious financial burden. Especially if it's like, if you're doing the best that you can to get your shit together, and then your people, maybe if it's not unforeseen circumstances, it could be something else. And you'd be like, damn. Like, it's always something like that. I'm getting my shit together, and this motherfucker always keeping me down because this motherfucker needs something for something. This motherfucker needs help, and I care about them because they're my ah, ah. You know what I mean? It gets, it's just. Like I said, people, it all depends on how much of a uh, t- 
title or how much weight you're giving that person in your life to have that much power and control it depends on who it is and if they will reciprocate because i know at least for my people they will reciprocate and it's been done like growing up you know um we've been always taught to like take care of one another like we've always showered each other with gifts and just different things and like especially with me and my sister um it was all it's always like that so it's like there's things that I've done for her things that I you know I've done for her kids or you know my other uh nieces and nephews and it's just like well actually I can't even say it a certain family member, certain siblings, and certain kids. I don't even get shit. It's not about get, giving to get something back, but it's just like they'll treat you a certain type of way. They just disregard all the shit that you've ever done. That's what makes it fucked up. So sometimes you got to be careful with even trying to help somebody financially or do things because they might not even respect you enough or even care. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could do something for somebody and they don't even care. Like, for example, you lend your you could lend your cousin some twenty dollars and niggas will sit here and buy new J's, go and get some new watches, new shoes, going out, spending money, and they not even gonna give you your twenty dollars back. They ask for you. You get what I'm saying, Dutch? Mm-hmm. Like you could sit here and do certain things and people will just disregard you. And that's the most disrespectful thing that you could do is you could lend somebody some money and them niggas is showing up in some new fucking outfits, new fits, hanging out, going out. You know what I'm saying? That just It is the Riots Podcast. It is Friday, December 9th, and this is our first Friday of a few where Isaiah is going to be noticeably absent. Isaiah was smart. He planned his vacation days properly. Yeah, we can't even be mad about that. <laughs> no, it's clever. You yeah. want to you want to be out the most around Christmas time. So hopefully, along with Isaiah, maybe you have some time off soon. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, if not, this is a lesson for next year. <laughs> to plan better. Map out your <laughs> vacation days and you can really, maybe once the holidays come around, you can maximize them or maybe... Maybe more fun to just have a bunch of Fridays off across the summer. Oh, that would be nice. Like on a month when there's nothing going on. Yeah. Nothing's better than a surprise day off. What if? Not for being sick, but uh just for an actual day off. Yeah. What if? uh, I always think August is like one of the worst months of the year. We go the entire month. After July 4th. Yeah. You don't get a holiday until Labor Day. You go two months so you've got to schedule some days off in there. Maybe if you don't have a vacation, you just pop a few random Fridays or Mondays uh, and you're and you're living large. Well, normally we say, Isaiah, what's in the podcast today? Uh-huh. But I'll ask you, Hudson, what's in the podcast today? All right. I will tell you that at the back end of the podcast, there's some Pete Davidson talk. Uh, and he's back. He's back? He never, he never truly disappeared unless... You were following him on Instagram, and that was your only exposure to him, and then he disappeared. So I guess this is a question for everybody listening. Like, does that bother you when you're like, oh, this is something clever and fun 
to follow on Instagram because it's him and Eli Manning. Uh-huh. But then you know it's for a commercial or for a brand They're or for something. They're not actually friends. And even They're if they were friends, friends They're they not hanging out. No. And it's even if they real. were, they wouldn't be like Instagramming everything they do and them lying in bed it's, together talking. If you stuff. look at the apartment they're in, that's not even their places. No. no so right does that. that bother you? Because it's not like real and it, you know, I think we all know because uh, sometimes I feel like brands try to not like pull one over on yeah. you, but like you know well, they're not really hanging brand out. This is they are playing a long game too. They are because there's no branding on anything that they posted yet. So this is they don't even have to put the little hashtag sponsored or whatever. They don't have to do any of that yet. They think it's for the Super Bowl, so yeah. they got a while. Uh-huh, but. I guess we'll see, but I just, you know, sometimes branding stuff bothers me. Yeah, it does. It just feels, uh, it just feels, you know, uh, what I see a lot is that our generation, we just want authenticity. Yeah. And there's nothing authentic about what they're there's doing. There's not. <laughs> uh, we also, talking football, we get to Nikki really came through with a surprise. I don't want to say that. No. Uh, no, I I was I was surprised at your football knowledge. You've got you picked up on a lot. I listen when you guys talk. I'm uh-huh. learning. But some of this stuff is so new that there's not even you couldn't have even picked it up from Isaiah. And oh I. no, I just I try you're to pick it up because following along. I assume that you're going to talk about it. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm impressed. I was definitely impressed by that. So uh, we've got maybe Nikki's got a, a another. Another extra career ahead of her. Uh, and then one other thing earlier on in the podcast, we talk about a little po- a little prank that you can pull on your parents. Now it means some work for you, but uh-huh. if you're willing to, it's actually a nice prank. It is. It, it, it can make your parents feel, uh, feel like they're getting a little extra attention. And um, and so it's it's kind of sweet, but it's still funny for you. You can have a good time with it. Are you ready for the podcast? Yes. I guess when I'm there's no to... Isaiah, we don't need some super long intro. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one making it's like it half long. the length. That's it. Apparently, All enjoy. Right, well, uh, have a good time. Bye, we'll guys. Catch you next time. The only thing Isaiah loves more than the riot is himself someone who probably still lives with his mother and hates himself you're listening to the riot on radio you uh the holidays are here and one of the things you gotta do for the holidays or do you christmas cards yeah i stopped doing that a while ago you did i mean i'll do one for like family that i see uh-huh and so i'll make one but like i don't mail christmas cards to yeah. people you just casually know uh-huh that's long gone <laughs> yeah you know me and my wife i think this year might be the year we decided to pull the plug on christmas cards too you know why is because we'd send them out and i'm not angry at anybody for this but uh because i completely understand but we'd send out a bunch and then we'd get like one oh in sure. return and no one does them yeah which is fine i don't really you know, like, uh, oh, a picture, and then you feel a obligated. A letter of uh, a yearly update. Uh-huh. Oh, I never get, never got a oh, letter. We had one family member who would always do this 
like two page handwritten uh-huh. letter. Yeah. And it was two page like handwritten to you. Uh-huh. And we don't know them very well. <laughs> so that means they were making letters for every card that went out. They were really thinking about you. It, this was their moment. Yeah. Well, I, I think I've mentioned before how my mom back in the day. They're also not together she anymore, would but run, that's fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would write uh she would write a, a letter about our family, an update that you would include in all her Christmas cards. Yeah. But it would be like a theme. Like one year it'd be like we were a rock band. And so she was describing our family as a rock band and giving an update one year oh, like it was so a sports cute. update. Like, yeah. Did your well, it was cute. She had a lot of time on her hands. Did I your guess, family but. Christmas photo reflect the theme? I know one time I think the rock band year did because we went to the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Aww. and they took our picture or whatever. So uh, that year, maybe so. I don't know if it always did. But uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> Christmas cards. <laughs> Christmas cards. Okay, we're not doing them anymore. Uh, but uh, here's a fun prank you can pull. Uh, that's actually, it's it's a really fun prank, I think. Uh, and it's not hurting anybody. It's going around on TikTok. It is uh, where you... Send your parents a Christmas card, mm-hmm. and you make it addressed like it's from somebody. You know, you just make up names. Oh, like it's, from so it'd be almost feeling like it's from a friend. Yeah, like and so but they just don't remember. Then yeah, so then exactly, you're trying to trick your parents into this is somebody that they should know, and they're giving you an update on their whole lives. Aww. And your parents don't know who they what are a, because they don't actually exist. What a weird prank, but it is nice because then maybe they feel like they they have more going on for Christmas. Well, maybe, but I was just thinking it's it's like payback, right? Because do your parents do this? I feel like most do where you'll get on their, the phone with your mom or whatever and she'll be like, oh, remember Carol from down the street? Yeah. She used to attend yoga class with me. Uh, she had a stroke the other day, so, the you know, update. and it's like, I have no idea who Carol is. Why are you telling me this? And that's how parents are. And so this is your way. This is you doing that to them of, instead of saying one of your friends that they have no idea who it is, you just make somebody up. Well, you're supposed to, uh, a lot of people are choosing Steve and Janet mm, to be the names. names. Yeah. Very generic. Classic. You don't want to be too specific because then they'll be like, well, I know I would remember somebody named uh, Henrietta. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, like you can't be too. Well, Steve and Janet, creative. those are those are classic older oh, yeah. couple sounding names. Uh-huh. It sounds like your parents would have friends named Steve. Yeah, you could totally do that. What a cute idea. Yeah, that is uh, that's something you can do. And hey, maybe uh, again, this is going on on TikTok. Maybe you can even film it and. Uh, you get a few views and likes and whatnot. Be a part of the trend. And if your parents are super sweet and like they're so excited, yeah, I could see though me not telling oh, them. You don't want to break it. No, to them. I would just let them think like, oh, all these friends are coming yeah. back out and <laughs> you know talking to them again. What what if listen? What if uh, you let this play out? You you know because you got to give it an address and everything. Yeah, but it's not. You can't make it your address. So you give it like a real address, though. Then your parents are like, oh, I should write oh, them back. Write back. And then they write back to that address. But the address is actually goes to somebody. Yeah. And then they're like, I don't know who these people are. And then they start, they become pen pals 
That's a good question. Yeah. I think you could maybe buy into a few P.O. boxes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it if you might wanna... be illegal to put the wrong return no, address on something, right? Listen, you could just really create this massive lie. Yeah. For your parents, but it's sweet. But in a way, it's a really, a really nice thing. Yeah, what a good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, there's an option for you. A sweet prank for Christmas. We're not sure who behaves worse, the riot or their dogs. I don't even know how to behave like a real human being. The riot. Radio U. Nikki, you ever seen a sword swallower? Um, I mean, probably like on a TV show and stuff. You never seen one in person? I don't. I mean, I feel like that'd be at the medieval thing. Or like the fair, uh-huh. and I don't think I have. No, I knew I knew a guy who was a sword swallower. You did? Yeah. Well, like that was his profession or his hobby. Yeah, no, it was a, he made. I think he made pretty good money doing it. Uh, it's not easy to swallow swords. What's the insurance look like? Now that is a good. What's question. What's your medical? <laughs> yeah, that feels like uh, that feels like that. Uh, it would be a concern, uh, especially when uh, then you see a story like this. Where uh, well-known San Diegan and uh, sword swallower, of course, Scott Nelson, his sword swallowing name. Yeah. Because nobody would go, hey, come see Scott Nelson. Nobody would care. So uh, his sword swallowing name is Murragun the Mystic. Oh, that now feels that very carnival-like. Right? Uh-huh. Yes, it does. And uh, the bad news is he was hospitalized. Because he had a sword-swallowing mishap at Six Flags in the D.C. area. Looks like that's where he was working. Yeah. Uh, I've been to been to that Six Flags. Uh, he had a sword-swallowing mishap that left him with a slashed abdominal cavity and a pierced liver. Now, they're being very sketchy about some of the details because uh-huh. they're like, it wasn't an accident during the Six Flags show. Okay. And it almost comes across like Six Flags is making him say that. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> but they say it was rather an unrelated health condition, which relates back, though, to sword swallowing. So I don't know what it is. Whoa, look at all the, the injuries on him, though. Oh, that That's is not from bad. Swallow- that is not from so- swallowing a sword. It looks like he, like, underneath his armpit. Yeah. He just has a ton, ton of scars. Like somebody attacked him. Like he's been stabbed. Yeah. This is uh, this is bizarre. I was I was going into this thinking, oh, no, the, the sword went the wrong way. No. <laughs> but that is not the case. Dude, what it are you is, doing? The injuries are from swords. Yeah. But it's not from him swallowing them. What are the odds, right? I don't you know. Go through, he's 59 years old. You go through your life as a sword swallower, and maybe you have that thing in the back of your mind of like, well, like one time, maybe this doesn't go so well. Well, he. You, but you would expect to get. You expect to get. To have a sword go the wrong way one day while you're swallowing. Not to just get stabbed or whatever by one. It's not like if he was swallowing swords, it would go out the side of his body. No. So this looks something else. But he says he has several acts, including sword swallowing. Yeah. So maybe this was something else. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, the the guy that I knew that was a sword swallower, he, uh, I mean, I, what do I remember him? I mean, he did other things. One of his cool trick, he would. 
He would blow up like a balloon animal balloon, yeah. you know, really long. Oh, I thought you meant his body would. I was like, he would blow up what like a balloon. Mean? Well, you said he would blow up like oh, a balloon. no, no, yeah, no. He would blow up a balloon, <laughs> and then he would swallow the balloon. Oh, my gosh. And swallow, 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 and it's long, right? And then when it got down to his stomach, it would pop. Whoa! Yeah. With the sword or just no? The because of his, because of like it's going all the way down his esophagus or whatever and oh, hitting his. Dude, you could do something else. Yeah, so it doesn't feel like that. Feels like the balloon would not be healthy to ingest. No, my mom was very worried about that when I was a child of me swallowing a balloon. So. This goes back to the medical like health insurance question. Uh-huh. Uh but apparently he could not eat for a month and he was out of work. Yikes. Uh so he is now doing a GoFundMe, but he says I can't stop my heart. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he says he'll deal with the pain of my act. Uh, he works with... Oh, so he's going back to sword swallowing yeah. and everything else hey, after listen, he recovers. You can't leave your love. No, that's right. <laughs> sword swallowing is his life. It's all he knows. Oh, dude, also, you're, your he probably, body's having problems. He probably, as a sword swallower, I imagine he has a very similar issue to uh, us in radio where the skills you've used to garner your career really don't don't translate to anything else whatsoever i hear you uh so what else is he supposed to do he's got a sword swallow so he's okay now but uh he has been had to be hospitalized well, hats off to uh to Murgun the mystic scott nelson five sores scissored his abdominal cavity <laughs> and he pierced the lobe of his liver ouch well speedy recovery to you the riots x-rays just came in and they all got that dog in them radio you doesn't mean we can't do our friday tradition oh in the box office box office what did i say we were going to call this last Bo- week i came up with a name let's see uh, oh well, what can the, we remember the monday thing is you know box we'll do office buzz the box office buzz yeah, or i is- thought it was like a review or something Box office. Like, isn't the review on Monday and Buzz is what it is? Review, though, that doesn't say. Yeah, Buzz definitely is Friday, right? So what was Monday? I don't what know. You're going to have to look it box up. Box office. <laughs> it was box office something. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll think about that. But you know what? We've got until Monday to figure that out. If Isaiah was here, he would know. But uh, <laughs> all right, this is the box office Buzz. This is what's coming out this weekend uh in theaters and on streaming and i'm confident that there's some something for everybody this weekend uh the big release i would say as far as movies go uh, as far as in theaters i should say is the whale the whale oh big release finally yeah i see what you did there uh that is the new movie starring brendan frazier making his big return okay i gotta stop saying big i now, feel like it's insulting at this that point. one they filmed that movie like a long time ago yeah. uh, but it's finally going to be in theaters i wish it was streaming i would totally watch it yeah well i mean hopefully one day uh of course this has uh they have oscar hopes attached to it at least for brendan fraser i don't know the the movie itself has 70 percent on rotten tomatoes so i don't know if that's a a best picture quality film, but Brendan Fraser getting all, I mean, was he supposed to be like 600 pounds or something like that? 
uh, in the movie. Uh, not all of that is actually him. Uh, it was a bodysuit. Like, there was a bodysuit, but he did uh, he did have some weight on him. Uh, so that is out this weekend in theaters. Uh, the the actual description is. An obese and reclusive English teacher tries to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption. And his daughter, I believe, is played by uh, Sadie well, Sink from, yeah, from, Stranger uh, from Stranger Things, of course. So there's a go- there's an option for you. That's possible. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? I'd say, I'd say the next biggest release would be on streaming. Uh, it's on Netflix. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is oh, out this weekend. I'm not going to watch that. You're but not? that was I mean the trailer was interesting but that's totally not my style. The the animation style is not uh it's not something that I particularly enjoy. However, Guillermo del Toro movies I do enjoy and then you look at the cast too and uh you're talking an, oh, oh we have a tie-in Finn Wolfhard Stranger oh, Things. From also Stranger Things. Uh-huh. Ewan McGregor is in it. Tilda Swinton, who's all, know, always seems to be in Guillermo del Toro movies. Can we all think of anything worse than the Pinocchio story? Like, it's just not our you favorite. Don't like it? No, I don't. What if I told you it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes? Even not more interested now. What? what are you talking about? I don't want to watch that. You know, <laughs> I I'm uh I don't know what will convince you. Now I am kind of interested in, believe it or not. Do you remember the Night at the Museum movies? Yeah, I okay, do. So Disney Plus now has an animated series. I see that. Based off of that. Oh, it's that, a series. That could be interesting. Yeah. What is that? Kanmunra Rises Again. Uh, I don't know. I remember Night at the Museum and the first one being pretty okay. Yeah. And then after that, they made more that were not pretty that okay. That was not as good. And so this, I mean, but this, it's called Night at the Museum, but it's not like Ben Stiller from the movies is involved and it's a cartoon. So it's just way different. I mean, I guess you can't really, if you liked Night at the Museum, I guess there's a chance you like this, but also... There's a chance it has hardly anything to like. There's no correlation. Yeah, at all. it doesn't really mix with uh, it. But that is out this weekend. Another one that's uh, uh, out on streaming, Apple TV Plus. You can now see Emancipation, which is the uh, Will Smith Will one. Smith's big return after the slap. So basically, just know this: it's not a really big streaming weekend or a big theater weekend. Because that's all going to be next weekend with the Avatar stuff. Well, what, what if I told you this, though? I've got one for you. What else? Something from Tiffany's. They are pushing that hard at me. Are they? I get ads for that constantly. I've not even heard of it until now, but then I see that it's a Hallmarky Christmas movie that's on Amazon Prime. Well, you have video. to really dissect it. Like, uh-huh. if you've ever watched, sometimes uh, they'll make a movie that's really just one big promotional thing. Okay. So it is one big commercial for Tiffany's, the jewelry company. Oh, that's what it actually. So that's the Tiffany's. It, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one really, really, really big ad in. Form Just of in a time movie. for the holiday. Yeah, well, I'm it sure is. it will work really well on. Uh, I don't even know. 
I don't know how that's supposed to work. Well, if you want, are some, like ladies supposed to watch it with their man, and then he, and then they're and like, try to get him. Oh, to look get, at that, yeah. and look at that, and look at that, and that's like he's going to retain any of that information. It's it's just really hey, shockingly one big commercial. You watch it with your guy; he's going to be looking at his phone, checking on the sports scores the whole but time. But if you watch the night at right the museum now. thing, he might take you to the museum. <laughs> Your For You page would be a lot more fun if it had Hudson, Nikki, and Isaiah. Follow at Radio U Official on TikTok. The Riot. Radio U. Nikki, you love Bing Crosby, don't you? Um, isn't he an older um, actor-singer person? Yeah, he's in your favorite Christmas movie. White Christmas? Uh-huh. Nikki, who doesn't like anything old. Well, Loves okay. Bing Crosby and White Christmas. No, no, hang on. I just happen to like White Christmas. The I don't song, know if uh, no, the I don't movie. even know if I like particularly like any of the people that are in White Christmas. Uh-huh. It's just some Christmas movie that I really enjoy. Yeah. Well, uh Bing but Crosby. But I couldn't tell you who else is in the movie. <laughs> mm, neither could I. Uh Bing Crosby, not just known for singing White Christmas. He sang a lot of songs actually. Yeah. He's a big uh, singer back in the day. And one of his worst is Mele Kalikimaka. You know that one? I do. It's in Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Mele Kalikimaka. Oh, is that his version? Yeah, that's him. Oh, I didn't know Uh that. uh Uh-huh. I think he was the first uh, person to do that song. Is it a, so it's his original? <laughs> I bel- well, he didn't write it. Uh but yeah, he uh I don't think I bet you he didn't speak Hawaiian, do you think? I don't think Something so. Something tells me being Crosby did not speak Hawaiian, but uh that song is now being called into question a little bit all these years later uh because Melakaliki Maka evidently in Hawaii, Hawaiian it's actually like gibberish. It's you, not actually now, a real Hang on, word. according to this song, that's the Hawaiian way. That's the Hawaiian way. To say Merry well, Christmas. Well, that's what Bing Crosby would think, right? So he, that's a lie? He flew over to Hawaii. He's like, Milikalikimaka. And then they're, and then, and they didn't beat him up. So he's like, this must mean Merry Christmas. No, that's, it's not exactly what happened. Uh, but uh, some scholars from Hawaii are calling it into question. They're saying, like, the thing is, of course, Christmas was not celebrated in Hawaii until, like, almost the 1900s, basically. So there is, but obviously the Hawaiian language goes back much further than that. Yeah. So there is no word that directly translates to Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas in Hawaiian, in the Hawaiian language. So the person who wrote the song kind of just made it up and tried to match up like tried to what would christmas be if it wasn't a hawaiian word and tried to make it up but it's still a word that actually it doesn't actually mean anything uh the way the person wrote it uh and so they're saying basically uh it's it's some you know the extre- so is it totally alive on the extreme would say that it's offensive and uh you know like cultural appropriation and then some people would just say ah it's just kind of stupid yeah you know because it doesn't actually mean anything which i mean you don't have to be a 
Hawaiian scholar to know that it's a stupid song. Well, okay, but they're not calling that part into question. They're just calling. No, everybody agrees on no, that. No, I mean, they're just really trying to fill out what does Melikaliki Maka word. Yeah. So they say the phrase appeared in print in a Hawaiian language newspaper in 1904, uh, but it's not really, again, it's not an exact translation, and it's uh. not, not really, so a lot of people... Um, in Hawaii feel like that is based on like the mainland's version of what they think a Hawaiian Christmas is and it's not Uh, and it's kind of offensive. Yeah. Well, this one, uh, this feels like a Christmas song. They'd be easy to leave behind. Right. Well, I don't think we really grabbed onto it too much. I don't know. Actually, I remember it's not this Christmas, but it was, uh, it was a couple Christmases ago. Uh, I heard Melikaliki Maka on the radio driving around with people multiple times by Thanksgiving. And that was when I was like, we're turning the radio off. Sure. Once is fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me. I always get that wrong. Fool me once. Fool me once. Shame on you. Yeah. Fool, fool me, me twice. twice. Shame on me. And fool Melikaliki me. Maka at me twice. And that's it. So it's gibberish. And they say, uh, the two syllables in Christmas became five for the Kelikaliki Maka part. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, basically, if you're going to Hawaii, don't say it. Yeah, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it's not. It doesn't. It's not what you think it is. It's not. Yeah, but there isn't really an equivalent in the Hawaiian language no. though to say Merry Christmas. You can probably just say Merry Christmas. You just I think they'll get that. They'll understand. Yeah, the Hawaiians will understand. Hey, they're already eating anyways. Might as well do it on the show. The Riot with Nikki and Hudson. Radio U. I've got uh, what the answer is according to science, but I just want to hear opinions. A few options. Yeah. Well, Kevin texted in and said alarm clocks, which I responded back. That's a necessary evil, though. Yeah. Like, you hate the noise, but it's needed. But the thing is, with alarm clocks, do you do this? I used to have, like, I went through... For a while, I would have the same song uh, for my alarm clock, and yeah. then I'd get tired of that one, and I'd switch it. And then I eventually I realized that whatever song I set as my alarm clock, I would grow, even though obviously the song that I choose would be a song I like, but then I would grow to hate the song. Yeah. Because of, so whatever sound is waking you up, so you that's hate. why I switched it. So that I always wake up to the radio because there's something different every time. Oh, I was going to say, don't hate us. No, but <laughs> since it's always something different, I can't grow to hate one single song. Sure. If not, you hate whatever tone that you pick. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ashton sent in all caps. So I think this is a really big annoyance. Mm. Uh, pen clicking. Oh, you don't like this? I don't really like the anything that's repetitive. I think just, so just once you hear something over and over again, it, that's I think what really drives me crazy. Yeah, are you clicking your pen over there? Yeah, you couldn't hear it. No, I can't hear I it. I don't want to bother Ashton. So. I, I blocked you out. <laughs> <laughs> Ashton's not even paying attention to you anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right. I don't want to make Ashton tune out. Aaron uh, said, "For uh, the most annoying noise, small children screaming like velociraptors, <laughs> especially in public spaces." You mean like a Christmas story? Yeah, like that. Uh, uh, oh, Jason has a good one. <laughs> Jason says, my sister gets outright furious when she hears people crunching mm, ice. That well, don't is a come bad to one. the Radio U studios. Uh, oh, because that happens. Some people have a 
have a thing for doing that. Uh, the actual, the actual uh, most annoying sound, according to science, is hearing your neighbors or people above you hearing their footsteps really? stomping. Yeah. Well, think about how bothersome that really is, though. Uh, especially if it's like super loud, like if they're stomping, like footsteps is one thing. Yeah. But then again, you're talking about repetitive. If you're uh, like they say that it's gotten there's more concern around it now with so many people working from home oh, where you're spending yeah. even more time at home. And so you're even more likely to hear just day in, day out, the people above you walking around all the time. And just that constant sound, that'll drive you crazy, No, right? see, there's a fix for that. You just always pick an apartment that's on the floor above. Well, You're the one making noise. I love your fantasy world <laughs> where you just get to pick which apartment you're in. I don't. You would never want to be on the bottom floor. No, you definitely don't. That's, I'm a, a, that's a security issue. Yeah, that's true. My <laughs> apartment, I'm a side, like it's a duplex. It's yeah. a side by side. And I can still, I can, it amazes me that I can never hear my neighbors talking. Sometimes I think they're not able to talk, but <laughs> uh, I can hear them. The only thing I'll ever hear is like quick footsteps. So I think they must have kids. Sure. Because why would like adults be running back and forth? <laughs> so, but I, that's the only sound I ever can hear. You mean the Come, little velociraptors? Yeah, the little velociraptors running back and forth. But this is according to some research. Uh, from Canada, the National Research Council of Canada, where they conducted some research to find out, uh, like what sounds are the most annoying. And, uh, they say that the, again, either like your neighbors dropping something above you, uh, and hitting the ground or particularly them stomping those impact sounds is what's the most is what is really annoying. And because that can, it really wears on you. They actually think that it can contribute to developing heart disease. If you're exposed Aww, to that for a really Because you get so time. anxious. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like Eric's, uh, his and his roommate, when they had a place. Yeah. Especially if you have like the townhouse apartments uh-huh. where there's like a stair. I think it was like paper thin. The walls. Yeah. Because they could be whispering next door and you could totally hear them. Yep. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, poorly built. Yeah, I remember, uh, I'll tell you what doesn't bother me too much is when your neighbors have like loudspeakers and you can hear them, uh, you know, like you can hear whatever they're watching. You just yeah. feel the bass and they're oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, you must be having fun over Ooh, there. Did you not invite me to your party? Yeah. What movie is that? <laughs> can I come doing? over and see you too? Well, but, Angela says it's a small world after all. So I think you mean that music from the ride. Yeah, for the ride. And Jessica says audio feedback, like plugging in something wrong mm. uh, or a squeaky clarinet playing. <laughs> Ooh, the <laughs> can recorder. You imagine, can you imagine if that's your neighbor <laughs> they play the clarinet oh, no. what if your neighbor has kids and they're running around <laughs> screaming and playing the recorder you're just oh, you no. need to move at that point yeah you definitely do or here was my uh, alternative turn up radio you really loud yeah they'll just cover it all yeah then you're good to go well uh now we know according to science and all these suggestions that there's a lot of annoying sounds in the world there's plenty yeah Hudson, Nikki, The Riot, on Radio U. You, uh, you a big Jackie Chan fan? 
Um, I've seen a couple of things with him. But he has some good movies, right? Does he still do movies? He's done a lot of movies. He does still do movies. He's been doing, uh, if you go all the way back to when he got started, he's been doing uh, movie stuff for almost 60 years. Wow. Uh, and he's 68 years old now, still going strong. In fact, uh, the reason I bring him up is, uh, I mean, there's two reasons why he's in the news. One, uh, I believe he's getting an honorary Oscar. Ooh. Uh, or maybe he just got one. But uh, two, he was doing a, a Q&A at uh, a film festival in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and one of the things that he talked about at this uh, at this film festival was that Rush Hour 4 oh. is in the works. Do you remember the Rush Hour movies? Well, Rush Hour, I remember a few years ago became popular, like, just as a trend. Okay. And I think I well, watched the three of them. Yeah. But I only remember the first one the most. The first one. Because I remember that when I was younger. The first one was really good. I, I have a special place in my heart for the first two Rush Hour movies yeah. because... Those were like some of the first movies that when you go from a kid, when you go from watching kid stuff to watching to like grown more up grown stuff. up things yeah. and Rush Hour is like my first movie that was like a favorite movie. More grown up humor. As a grown up. Uh, <laughs> And Jackie Jan is great in that movie. Of course, Chris Tucker is as well. That's the guy. I thought Chris he was always Tucker. funny. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's done uh-huh. too much after. Yeah, yes, he has not done much either. But it's uh, now that Rush Hour 4 is in the works, sounds like, uh, I mean, you couldn't do Rush Hour without Chris of Tucker. Of course. Uh, and so Rush Hour 4, according to Jackie Chan, they are in talks to make that happen right now. Uh, so for Rush Hour, they went ahead. They did they did two back in the day that were I mean what was that that maybe nineties but probably early two thousands that were fairly popular. A third one that was pretty good, and then they tried to do a TV show. If you do you remember that? I don't. Was they, that with them or with just no? Two it was other without guys? them. No. It was, yeah, two other guys. And that did not go very well. Rush Hour TV show. Yeah. Feels so, like a Fox thing. Or, uh, I think it was CBS. CBS? Yeah. <laughs> It'd and, be like Rush Hour Vegas. <laughs> yeah. That, that's right. But yeah, I mean, the problem was no Jackie Chan, no Chris Tucker. Oh, yeah. It's you not can't the do same. That. Not the same. So what are you that talking not- about? That ran from March 31st to August 20th. Wow. Of the same year. Wow. <laughs> it did, uh, it, you know, so close. Yeah. It was almost a hit. Well, that's cool. I, yeah, I, I definitely remember it. I just remember it being actually funny. Yeah. Which doesn't always happen in the buddy comedy sort of things. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's cool. Yeah, they're yeah. doing a fourth one. Well, it was a different time, too, where they used to focus on making... Like, it was an action movie, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely meant to be a comedy where they don't make, like, more movies now are action movies. And maybe they'll have a little bit of comedy, but that's not what this uh, was. Uh, Also, it was interesting, Jackie Chan was talking about why he's had such a long career and so much success with it. And he says because he has so much control, it's important for him to have so much control over... uh, What he makes? Yeah, uh, like, from making action stuff uh, from the writing to the filming of it and whatever that fits his style Yeah, where other action movie stars are just thrown into movies. It's like, Oh, you're an action star do action stuff. We wrote this action movie. 
and now you do it or Jackie Chan's like no like you've got to we've got to make this movie to fit me not I have to fit the action movie. Well, also, the more involved an actor is in the movie, the more they'll make. Mm-hmm. It's like the equivalent of our bands when they actually write their songs. Mm-hmm. You make money if you're the one who writes the music. Yeah. You don't make it if you're just performing it. Yep. You have to have the writing stuff. The more credits that you have to your name. Credits equals the money. It, yeah, equals yeah. the money. So, uh, no, I'm a big uh, Jackie Chan fan. I hope Rush Hour 4 doesn't take too long to get here although it sounds like it's still pretty early in the process but that'll be a lot of fun the devil wears prada the riot with hudson and nikki on radio U. during the christmas party one of the things we're going to do christmas cookie decorating competition now okay we're not allowed to decorate the cookies in the studio uh, what, because for messy because it'll be too messy yes like we can't with our equipment we don't want like sprinkles everywhere no and nor does our chris chris yeah. doesn't uh-huh. <laughs> they don't want to clean up so basically we have to come into the event with our cookies decorated mm. and then you guys will help us get to vote including the next morning during the show on who did the best job with their cookies now talking of christmas cookies do you leave cookies out for santa when you oh, were a yeah child? i used to always do that yeah sure um and you ever think about like Santa eating all those cookies? Like you weren't the only home that put out those cookies. It's well, a lot of houses, a lot of cookies to eat. You haven't watched um, Violent Night, the new movie? No, why? Uh, it gets covered, all the cookies that he eats uh-huh. and what he drinks. They explain it? <laughs> well, it's just very obvious. You're like, wow, how's he doing all that? Well, <laughs> in uh, in Violent Night, he probably burns off all the cookie calories when he fights? by beating up people. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, that with the drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, poor santa you're worried about his health i guess i am especially after uh i have here uh a company called kuru footwear that went ahead and calculated how many calories is santa actually ingesting on christmas eve when he's going all around the world and eating cookies and drinking milk at every single household how much would that be how is he how much is he actually ingesting there well there by this is how they calculate it they say 1 cup of 1% milk per house yeah that's 102 calories. Yeah, because Santa in the movie covers how he doesn't like skim. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Santa, you know what? Uh, you, you maybe, You're not getting whole milk. No, definitely not. <laughs> Who can afford whole milk? Uh, so 78 calories uh, per one chocolate chip cookie. Oh, gosh. That's how, a lot. Is how they uh, calculated it. And then they also wanted to find out how much the deer the reindeer are each eating well i'm also so you worried too because cal- uh, one carrot per reindeer that's 52 calories because we're not putting usually chocolate chip cookies out uh-huh. usually you're putting like sugar cookies out well the other thing too is you're not just putting out one cookie and i don't know about how things went for, with santa at your house but Santa didn't very often leave co- the any cookies, any cookies on the plate. So he's eating, <laughs> he's eating, who knows, four or five cookies at some houses, maybe even more, uh, and chugging that whole thing of milk. So even if you were just to suggest that he ate one chocolate chip cookie and drank one glass of milk, 1% per milk per house, that equals out to 
in total three uh, 30.9 billion calories of cookies, 40.4 billion calories of milk. Add it together. Every year, 71.2 billion calories Santa's taken in. Oh, no, you can work that off. That's yeah, fine. You know what? It's, I like that you brought that up because. Oh, he's not even walking around a whole lot, too. His reindeer. Sa- yeah, the reindeer <laughs> are pulling him around. Uh, but if he was to walk off all those calories, you know how, how many miles he would have to walk? A billion? Fifty-five. <laughs> why can't I ever say numbers? These right? are big numbers. They are big. Normally, I don't understand why it's so hard for yeah. us to do numbers, but these this are actually hard, big ones. It would. Santa would have to walk to uh, to burn off all of the calories that he ingests just on Christmas Eve. Yeah. From cookies and milk. He would have to walk five hundred and three million miles oh it's fine and you're like what does that really mean though (laughs) that is uh for comparison he would have to walk around the earth at its equator you know the biggest part of the earth he would have to walk around the earth about Twenty thousand times well i mean what else after christmas do you have to do that he's got a whole year uh, but he'd have to go the whole rest of the year without eating and only walking. They say you would gain at that point twenty point four million pounds Oof. on Christmas Eve. That's the real Christmas. But imagine, right like I don't know, the calories. The calories. Uh, you'd blow up at that point. Yeah. How does he? I mean, and we never even talk about Santa bathroom breaks. Because you're eating, drinking all of that milk, <laughs> eating all those cookies is not going to be pretty, I can't imagine. Well, just know that it's Christmas cookies, and we all know that at Christmas time, Christmas cookies don't count. That's right. Those calories, it's Christmas magic. It doesn't happen. Uh-huh. Disinformation. Mispronunciations. Bad impressions. That's Hudson. This is The Riot on Radio U. Uh, Nikki, Chris... Is our engineer here at Radio U? Yes. When something goes wrong we tell with any Chris. of our equipment, we talk. <laughs> we the first thing we do is tell Chris, call Chris on the phone, and the first thing anybody who's ever dealt with any like IT professionals or whatever, the first thing what do they always tell you to do? What does Chris say? Restarting. Have you tried restarting? Have you yeah, tried? And sometimes that works, but most of the time it's beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, do you know what? Because usually we try. If it first. we're calling him, we've tried that. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of people don't. But it is amazing. I was going to say it's actually amazing. I especially think of like with my phone. If my phone's like glitching out or the computer is glitching out. It's amazing how many times just resetting it, just turning it off and on again does actually fix it. The problem just goes away. You don't realize, I mean, we're asking these things to be on all the time, to do a lot, and never never get a refresh. For years at a time, you want it to never break. Uh, It's amazing that's possible. Uh, So, yeah, we are asking a lot of our devices and uh it Thank is you, pretty we yeah you. uh-huh we appreciate you you appreciate all that you do all the hard work you put in and chris too uh but sometimes i think i find myself thinking this a lot in life is that i wish i could hit a reset button in life where you just you eventually hit a point uh every so often where you think man i just wish i could kind of like 
I wish there was a reset button for life. Especially or even just the day. Yeah, the reset day. the day. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there kind of is. And that is, and that comes from God. Uh, Jesus wants to come in and give you a a new start on, on life. Uh, you've been doing things a certain way. You've been going along, and a lot has been asked of you, I'm sure. Just like a lot has been asked of our phones and computers and everything. And uh, sometimes you just need... You just need a break. You just need to start over and do things a little differently. And God is offering that to you. Jesus is ready to take some of that uh, that burden off of you and, uh, and, and take it onto him. If you're going through a lot, if you want to restart, if things just aren't going quite the way you want them to, and you're like, man, I just want to hit the reset button, God will help you hit the reset button. Start talking to him. Say, hey, Jesus, I really, I need some help here. Uh... I, I need a reset. Whatever that means, I need you to show me what that means and how to how to be able to access that. And God will. And sometimes I know this is weird, but our phone is our only really example of this. Uh-huh. But you're like, you don't want to restart your phone. Yes. You don't want to. You're, like, you're like, no, Why? I need to do this right Why? now. You're so right. But then Even after- though, what does it take? Like 15 seconds to restart? But it is so annoying. You're like, I don't want to. Yeah. But then afterwards, Why you feel- Why should I have to restart it? You feel so much better because then it starts to work. You are so right. And that is so accurate to this as well. Maybe you're you're putting it off. You're like, now nah, why should I have to? But no, it's important. Say, hey, God, I want to restart. I want to refresh. Unplug me and plug me back in. I need some help here. And Jesus will do that for you. If you want to know more, radiou.com slash free gift is a good place for you to start. The only thing Isaiah loves more than the riot is himself. Someone who probably still lives with his mother and hates himself. You're listening to The Riot on Radio U. We are Isaiah-less today. Oh, he's off today. Yeah, I hope he's having a good time. I hope he's doing nothing. That's the best day off. You think? Yeah, that'd be great. You think, uh, I've asked him before, but do you think he's he's listening today? Uh, no, probably not. I think probably not. his plan was to watch, he said, all of Thursday Night Football. Uh-huh. Like, the whole thing. Yeah. And then just sleep in. Did you hear what happened on Thursday Night Football last night? No, what was it? Uh, well, you remember Baker Mayfield, right? Yes, Baker. Uh, was the oh yeah i want to hear what you have to say about this oh hang on was he the the Tell browns us. guy he was on the browns and then he and then he was the quarterback uh-huh and then they brought the deshaun watson uh-huh i thought then... you were going to use the word to describe Deshaun. no no, watson. no 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 the massage I, guy the massage guy uh-huh. uh i knew <laughs> and then the baker guy went to the Panthers. Whoa, you're it's, doing good. It's all in here. Yeah, and then, it's like you're a sports expert. Did they let him go, or is he still on the yeah, Panthers? Yeah, they let him go. They let him go. Uh-huh. And I think there was just There's some... no chance you know which team he went to after that. Oh, hang on. This I'm not all even, happened this week. I'm not even looking at text messages. Did he go to... Oh, I know it, too, because I saw it. And wasn't it the team that played last night? It was the team that played last night. It wasn't Mind the- you, he was cut from the Panthers sometime after their game on Sunday. Yeah. Or I don't know if they even played on Sunday. But, like, in the last four days, yeah. he left the Panthers 
and got signed with this new team. Okay, give me the two night. team options and I can tell you from there. It was the Raiders and the Rams last night. He went to the Rams. He did go yeah. to the Rams. And you know what he did last night? Did he win? He won. Hey! He led a 98-yard game-winning drive. Good for him. I don't have yeah. any I don't have any ill will towards him. It's great if he does no, well. No, yeah. He has a, a strong Brown's personality. People. Yeah, I think... <laughs> The funny thing is, he probably played better in the game last night than a Deshaun Watson, his replacement, did uh, in the game against uh, the Texans yeah, on oh, really? Sunday. But then again, Deshaun Watson hadn't played football in like two years. Well, good for the Rams. Yeah, good for the Rams. Good for Baker Mayfield. Uh, and that's your football talk for the show. <laughs> that's all Nikki can recall. Hey, I think I did pretty good, right? The Packers are off this week, so I can't ask you about Aaron Rodgers. So. Listen, when you guys talk, I do pay attention. Yeah. But I'm I trying to learn. You. I should have asked who the Packers play because I know you wouldn't know. Who the Packers played? Who they play this Sunday. Oh, I don't know future stuff. No. No, no, no. It's <laughs> okay, yeah. once you tell me. Yeah, okay, yeah, they don't play this week. Okay. All right, uh, coming up Is that next. called a bye week? Yeah. Okay. Look at you. You could be on ESPN. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. Amazon is courting me. They would like me to do their <laughs> Thursday football. You could be a, a sideline reporter. That's right. Uh but, or you could be in the booth. They let ladies do that now, too. Oh, oh, thank you. What? No, I can get I mean, out of the kitchen no, and get I into mean, the booth? No, like typically. In, it's, it's typically. It's a door. No, listen. It's typically, <laughs> right? What you, if I'm barefoot? No, women, in the, when it comes to football, they're only normally they're usually on they're the, the sideline side reporters. And that's if they're lucky. Maybe they can be host in the studio. But uh, one day, and this day may be coming soon, maybe they'll let a lady like yourself mm. actually do play-by-play for the game. Well, if you want me... Maybe Doris Burke one day. If you want me to, I only work in studios, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> that's yeah. my, that's my uh, requirement. All right. Well, I hope uh, hope you get to do that one day. They won't hire me because it'll be like, wait, hang on, guys. I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would uh, you would uh, take a, lo- a while if you're actually doing play-by-play. Yeah. You'd be like, I know what he just did there. It was... Uh... <sighs> Offsides. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh-huh. And, and, then the, and, then the, and then I'd have to go, yes, yes. that's correct. Hey. Very well done. And I'd be like, that thingy. Yeah, right. <laughs> you mean the field goal post. No, I mean the football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh I can see you're, the money coming now. You're going to need a lot of training. Yeah, right. no, I'm good. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to talk about Pete Davidson. It actually relates to football. We're not sure who behaves worse. The riot or their dogs. I don't even know how to behave like a real human being. The riot. Radio you. You've seen uh, a lot of people posting about their Spotify wrapped lately, right? Yeah. Uh, that's Tis a pretty big season. thing. It's a lot of fun. I know uh, Nene and I both take that very seriously. We listen to a lot of Spotify. So. I think Nene takes it more seriously than you. I think he does. He actually goes back, and I think he listens to the whole list. Uh-huh. And he goes back to, like, the top, not the top one, but the bottom of the top. Yeah. And it's a thing. He said he uh, likes his number one to be a surprise, even though he probably knows what he it knows is. what it is but sure. i know pretty much what mine was too so it wasn't like i didn't have to drum up any excitement for my own self uh but there's there's spotify rap there's a lot of uh year-end things now that come out that kind of capitalize on that and 
you know who else wants to capitalize on like the year-end lists and reports and whatever is McDonald's. Oh, on what you ordered for the year? Yeah. Oh, that's clever. I'm, I don't know exactly. That's a great idea. How to fit uh, if. It's if, probably in the app. Yeah, I went in the app and I couldn't find it yet. So maybe they just haven't sent it to me or whatever. Or maybe it's something that's coming in a few days. But uh, McDonald's has put out what they call their fanual report. For 2022. See what they're doing there. So it goes from January 1st to October 9th for whatever you ordered when you were logged in with your account. Yeah. So if you are able to get your fanual report from McDonald's, uh, they will put you into one of five different uh, McDonald's fan categories, depending on how much you ordered. Uh, you could be a newbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the McDonald's. That means you have the McDonald's app on your phone, but you, but you use. use it infrequently. Then there's Insider. You order a little more frequently, but more importantly, you order pretty much the same thing every time you open the app. I think that's me. You have a routine? Yeah. Uh, how often do you think? Once a week? I haven't gone to McDonald's in a while. Oh. I went, okay, you ready? <laughs> uh-huh. I went during the Boo Bucket season. Oh, uh, that's not that long ago. Because <laughs> I wanted a pumpkin Boo Bucket. Yeah. Never got it. You didn't get it? I got the ghost in the green one, but I didn't get the Boo Bucket. Dang. I wanted the pumpkin one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, around that time, it'd be my same order of trying to get that bucket. <laughs> a happy meal every yes. time. I just usually a like happy nuggets. Meal for Nikki. Nuggets or a Big Mac. Uh, then there's low key. Uh, this is uh, basically a combination. You don't use the app very often, but you do vary up your orders. Yeah. Then there's CEO, which means you redeem your McDonald's rewards points a lot. And uh, you 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 get the rewards points and use them for popular menu items. And finally, carpe all day. You're always at McDonald's. You deserve a sponsorship deal for how much and how often you use the McDonald's app. Uh, that feels like uh, Isaiah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say it feels like that is uh, a wake-up call, if that's you. That's a worry. Which, to be fair, not that I'm casting judgment on anybody because that might be me too. I check in at McDonald's quite a fairly lot. frequently, and I do use those points. So if you get your up. McDonald's persona, if you share it on Instagram, you could win 250,000 McDonald's reward points and use those then however you would like, which could... Then turn around next year uh-huh. and get you even more. <laughs> they also went ahead, and what I can tell you is that uh, they put out like the report for McDonald's fans in general, uh, where I can find the most popular menu item at McDonald's, French fries. Yeah. That's the number one ordered thing, followed by the cheeseburger. That's surprising. Uh, well, over the Big like Mac, it. over the double cheeseburger, and then finally, third place, the McChicken. Ew. You don't like the McChicken? Only the nuggets. My wife gets the McChicken a lot. Well, then tell the her what. McChicken is so cheap. Tell that's, her what she's done. That's the benefit. <laughs> yeah, she's helped it. It's third place at McDonald's, surprisingly enough. Well, there you have it, your fanual report from McDonald's. For some, a harsh look in the mirror. Tell you you're going too often. Uh, yes, a difficult reminder. Audio jumps.